Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 86. <laughs> this is the Option Podcast. Got my boy Carter Miles. Carter Miles is in the house, and the episode starts. There it is. Right now. Right now. All right. Guess who's back? Back again, yours, yours truly, the host with the most. I'm Jason DeBiss. This is episode 85 of the Option Podcast. Miles. Miles. I Howdy. Going, you, got, you got like two first names, man. You're I know. like a Jamaican. If anything, like my first name's a last name. The last name's a first name. Yeah, Carter, man. What's good, man? I'm good. How yeah. Did, how did it, how did, how was it outside? Was it like just regular chili? No, the sun's finally out. For the yeah. first time in like two weeks, the sun's been out. And no. truth be told, I've been digging the weather. It's like. When it's cloudy and gloomy, like it brings out my moody side. You I know, tough into it. I think for everybody listening, wherever you are, like sometimes it's overcast. Like it's desert weather. Hermosa Beach, it's chilly as fuck in the morning, right? And then, and then, but no matter what, by certain standards, yes. But yeah. no matter what, <laughs> but no matter what, at the end when it's time for sunset, the clouds move the fuck out the way. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and I think it's just like. You know, the last little section of the sky that's just right above the water, it's very rare for clouds to hang that low in this area. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if the, the sun hasn't been out all day, you know you're going to get that little bit for sunset. Yeah, man. Which is nice. It gives you a chance to go out and experience the sun, if even for just a few minutes in the day. People! Carter Miles, man. This is Carter Miles. Carter Miles, check out the hat. That is Soho Yoga. This is what this man does for a living. And he is... A highly intelligent person ran into you a week ago. I'm you, trying to be. Man, we talked about everything from yoga to vaccines to, to um, you know, touched a little bit on politics and how yeah. sci- science has gotten like hijacked by, 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 oh, man. by the political spectrum. Almost everything's gotten hijacked by the politics of today. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to uh, cover that. But my first question is. Um, I definitely want to know what got you into the whole yoga thing. The guys, cool. guys, this guy is a yoga instructor. He's a yoga guru. He is <laughs> a yoga aficionado. Okay, so this is this is his wheelhouse. I like and, that and aficionado. Our subject matter will be included, but not limited to these things. So, like a year ago, yeah, pa- pandemic year ago. comes cool. right. Yeah, right. Um, the, the whole world goes to hell. We'll go March fifteenth. Yes, we'll put it like right to the date. Let's just say that March fifteenth, cool. the world goes to hell. Everything shuts down. As these some of these restrictions lighten up for your company for Soho Yoga, right? <laughs> no, but for Soho Yoga, what did what were you guys doing to work around um, or work through some of these restrictions and still? Well, first of all, still, still, you got to work, right? You're, yeah, you're, you're, got to work. Yeah, I mean, you're an instructor, but you're also an artist. You're, you're so. also a human being that has to eat. Yes, right. So, like a mammal. <laughs> so, you, surprise, surprise. <laughs> You got to work to live. Yeah, uh, walk, walk all on two legs. And that, that's a whole topic in and of itself, like the idea of the right to work uh, as a part of the right to live. But So no. did you start doing like outdoor stuff? Cool. So March 15th last year, you know, I remember getting a text from the management just saying, you know, like, okay, everything's closing down tomorrow. Studio's closing down, so you don't have to come in. There's no classes. We're going to tr- figure out what, what to do from there. And... Soho, like every other yoga studio, was put in this position where they were just an absolute no. 
you know, certain businesses were allowed to operate at full capacity, certain businesses, super limited capacity, other businesses, not at all. And so the whole fitness, health, yoga, market, industry, all those locations just got shut down for actually being present, which, I mean, that's hard. You know, how, like, what do you do when you're a business that offers an in-person service? And they're just like, nope, you can't do it in person. So Soho went online. They started doing stuff uh, via Zoom, started doing stuff on Instagram Live, uh, trying to figure out, like, what's the best method, Patreon, right? So there's a few different options for how to do stuff online. Uh, and I mean, that, that's essentially been the case for the last year. They opened again back in, like, June, and they went through all these... Uh, all these different measurements that had to be put in place just so that they could reopen again. And then come July, like, bam, shut down again. Uh, Shoot. And that's that's been the last year, year and, you know, three months since March 15th. And it's, yeah, I mean, for the most part online. And then luckily we worked something out with Hermosa where we've been able to teach stuff on the beach. And so we're still doing that currently. But that wasn't even until, like, last fall. So that's six months of, like, just online. Wait a minute. That's you guys out there in the morning? Yeah, on 14th Street, yes. right? Yeah, that's our group. We're supposed to be waving a flag, but it doesn't always get brought out. Okay. Yeah, that's our group right there, right? Your volleyballs are like rolling through Dude, <laughs> our I, stage. I just love that no matter what, like I'm there every morning. I, We're out I, there I, to too. Get, to get my, my work on. I get to get my, with you. Yeah, I, but I got to oh, yeah. get my sunrise on. And yeah? even let's say I'm coaching. Uh, let's say I'm actually maybe getting in and getting some games in. Or I'm just doing nothing. I'm just going to, um, you know, I'm just looking at my iPod, uh, iPad or whatever, playing, I don't know, free stuff. <laughs> Every single morning, no matter what, it's just like death People and taxes. People are out there. Death, taxes, and yoga. Yep. And yoga. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to do it. You know, we, we have the word exercise in our society, but, you know, it's to make up for the fact that people aren't moving enough. People need to be moving every single day. Otherwise, their bodies just start to deteriorate. And I think a lot of people noticed that uh, when the lockdown happened, when their movement practices were taken away from them, uh, you know, in the meantime, when they're trying to figure out how they could sustain some type of movement practice, like body goes downhill really quick when you're not moving. Yeah, it's not happy. Jesus Christ. And, and we got a lot of really strong people who really, I mean, they need it. They it was want a big it. group, man. Yeah. It was a big group. And you guys did the social distancing. You guys had your... It was it, from a distance. It looks like a mass gathering, but when you get closer, I'm like, nah. These people are all, they're all giving each other some space. Yeah. And it is the sun's rising, and it's almost like just a whole bunch of people watching the sunrise on a grateful universe. And I, I mean, it is magical. I bet you have groups of people staring at you guys, just like, ah, oh, this is <laughs> this is when when we return back to normal. This is how uh, hopefully this is how it's supposed to look. Is and this something you're going to continue to do? Yeah, we're going to keep doing stuff on the beach. I guess Soho and Hermosa, the town of Hermosa, have worked something out. So that will be able to continue, which yeah. is good because we're a hot yoga studio. We, we have a little bit of non-heated as well. But, uh, you know, it's not for everyone. Not everyone digs hot yoga. And just like there's benefits to doing hot yoga, there's so many benefits that you're gaining from doing yoga out looking at the water with the sun on you, with all that clean, fresh air, with the sand underneath your feet. I mean, you live in that environment, you know. No doubt. Right? Just no doubt. lights up all this different stuff in the body. It really does. Like, and we're definitely going to get into what kind of yoga because I know there's different kinds of yoga. Yeah, and we were, definitely. We were talking about my time. And, wow, I'm just really, really happy. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I was really, really happy to see. what, get, But let's rewind a little bit. What got you into yoga? Why yoga? Cool. Why'd you choose that? 
So when, I, when I've been asked this question before, I usually go back like way before I even started doing yoga. I did my first triathlon with my dad when I was 14, and that was my first intro into health. And for me, I was never into team sports. I was never very good at sports that had any kind of ball dexterity coordination. So a triathlon is just you and yourself, right? You put mm-hmm. the energy in and you train yourself and you can have a coach, but it's really just it's on you. And after that, I started getting into fitness, into diet, started working out a lot, running, biking, doing more triathlons. Then, man, I was probably about 18 when I got introduced to Buddhism. And so that'd be like the next kind of progression towards yoga. Uh, With Buddhism, the main idea that I found at least was that you can change your experience, right? Right. You're You're not just a victim of your experience. You can make yourself happier. And if you kind of figure out the tools of life and the tools of this mind body system that you live in, uh, you, you can fine tune yourself to the experience. That's more of what you want. Um, so it, give, it gives you a lot of power in that sense. The idea that you, you can, to a certain degree, change your emotions, change your experience, and it gives you a lot more autonomy and freedom. But then with yoga, I came, I moved here to Hermosa seven years ago and actually took a class at Soho Yoga and I, w- I was hooked right away. And from there, I went to go for a membership and they hired me just on the spot to start working for my membership. And then, you know, got upgraded to a position that was also paid. And then I did the teacher training at Soho and then it just it just started snowballing, getting faster and faster, more and more time doing yoga. I went to India and did another teacher training in different, more traditional styles. Um, stayed in India outside of a training and just, just studied and practiced yoga every day. And then coming back, started teaching as much as I possibly could. Uh, I was in university. I actually left university just so I could continue to teach yoga and really develop that capacity. Um and then, and then furthering into different styles, different ways of practicing yoga, uh, kundalini yoga, kundalini training. Um, in this past year, I've really been focused in the last year, year and a half on breath, right? So it's almost gone from like really physical and then it's getting like more and more subtle and starting to work into breath and breathing practices uh, as a means of, again, self-regulation at any given moment because it's a, type, it's a thing that you have to just pick yourself up or calm yourself down or shift gears whenever you need it right the breath is right there yeah i remember we we had a conversation before i had a class i was at a marymount uh, manhattan for theater and we were required to take a class called movement for actors and we had, yeah. we had an adjunct professor um like when you're first of all when you're in college and you're in like a bfa program you only want faculty because those are the people that you trust those are the people that you talk to every day when you have an adjunct they could be really really good or they could be like oh my god this professor sucks you know because it is it is that kind of environment where people already come in more talented than some of the people that are teaching them (laughs) interesting (laughs) okay yeah got it they were the number two ranked program in the country when i auditioned and you probably have some protégés coming in man if honestly if i knew like how deep that was before I auditioned, I probably would have choked. You know I, mean? <laughs> I mean, me, I just wanted to go back to school for acting, and and yeah. and they're like, you know, you have to audition. I was like, yeah, sure, no yeah, problem, of whatever. And I'm yeah, just no like, sometimes it's beautiful like <laughs> yeah. that when you don't have the expectation on the line with it, and then you perform so much better. I was just better. so loose. Yeah, but um, we definitely want to get in. I de- let's remember that because there's a fun story I want to cool. do. So I ended with a, an adjunct that no one knew, but when she came in. Everybody just started signing up for her class. In fact, you're, okay. so, you're required to take a whole year, fall and spring, of movement. 
Um, and when I got her for the fall, everybody signed up for her for the spring. And they're like, oh, the class is full. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, fuck. Hey, fuck off. We're supposed to have the same. No, but Cross they're out the, someone they're, else's name and yeah. write your own. <laughs> no, but they're, we're, they're the first ones that say you have to have the same professor fall and spring. Okay. For acting, fall okay. and spring, uh, uh, voice and speech, fall and spring. Is and, the idea and being movement. just so that you have that much more consistent guidance yes. for two semesters, someone who's watching yeah. you as opposed to breaking it? Because it's saying you have to have yeah. a year and yeah. and, okay. and they marry you to your professor a little bit. Okay. So, And this woman was more lucid body movement. She was pu- published on lucid body movement, which... I think we were talking about before ex- ex- explores the the seven ma- the seven sh- major chakras of the spinal cord, right? Okay. Like first chakra, just educating the people at home. First chakra is your your groundedness, your security. You know, that's your they call that your power. Um, your second one is is your your feelings. That's your fluids. That's your sex. That's your yeah. energy. The third self worth. Yeah, the th- identity. Third one is ego identity, which that's power. Sorry, that's power. yeah. The third, so the third, third first one is security. Third one's power. It's kind of like survival and then belonging yeah, and then creativity is yes. where I would put the third one as because it's like your power to affect change in the yeah. world. It's, it's very much where you start taking what you have and then putting so it So right out. to be here, right? Right to feel, right to produce power or emote. Yeah. Uh, the fourth one is the right to love or be loved. And it starts to do with a lot of connection. Yeah. Right? So it's less of like this idea identity yeah. uh-huh. and more like this community connection. No identity. doubt. And the parts of the body, basically where your coccyx bone is one, two is like where your iliac crest and your sacrum is. As well um, as like the sex organs, the reproductive system. Yep. Feelings, yep. fluids. Yeah. Eh. Fourth, uh, third one, one is your ab- abdomen. That's the power. That's digestion. Your fire. Fourth one, fourth one, heart. Your ability to love and mm-hmm. be loved. Your fifth one, where the cervical spine is. Um, your ability to speak and hear the truth. Yep. Sixth one is your ability to see metaphorically. In the seventh. I would say perceive and understand because that's a unique so, one. Like the third yeah. eye. You know, yes. a lot of people talk about the, well, the third eye. Like, seven, what one, do you see? No, but the see? six and seven. One is to see and one is to know. So, I say th- I would think whatever this, the order is. I would think it would be like to see. To perceive, to understand would be the third eye. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, that kind of knowledge that just gets downloaded, that kind of connection. Yep. Uh, yeah. And unmediated that just comes more with adulthood, right? I mean, because a, a, a lot of kids coming up that are not psychologically well, developed. You could um, say it does, but then you find certain adults and like, no, it does not. I think it depends on what you do. Mm-hmm. I think over time, any of the chakras can be opened. Over time, any of the chakras can get closed up. Definitely. Right? Any capacity can be opened. Any of them can be closed. And mm. potentially, kids are actually like the most open with all of this at all. And then through the, you know, socialization, adultation process, they get, you know, no, no, adulterated. No. They get changed. Uh, and then it, you have to like figure out how to reopen it consciously, intentionally. Yep, that's so true. Yeah, and. For listen for the people watching a video version of this at home, bear with me. I'm taking this is the first time I have not done a show in studio in a minute, okay, because of COVID. So this camera might give me some might kick a fuss, but at the the end of the day, the the audio is the most important thing, and that's how we handle in our business. The ideas um, are here. So, how explain to the audience how like lucid body movement and the work you do the, how how does the work you do differ from lucid lucid body movement i already know the answer but for the, the other people for the people listening yours is more physical so lucid body movement is a is a term that i guess i don't fully know the background with right so the term lucid and body and movement like i can put those words together and have like a rough understanding of what it probably means yeah right but if you want to give like a 
definition to lucid body movement yeah. that might help a little bit. Well, basically, it was a teaching tool. Well, it was it was also it was also a religious thing. I think okay. it was. I don't know if it's Hindu or Buddhism, but basically, they believe that. Um, if these chakras that we talk about yeah. are imploded, it affects your psychological growth and it, yeah. and it builds, it shapes who you are. And okay. it also, and when it shapes who you are to protect yourself, you start building something we call character armor to armor. defend implosions yeah. of the chakra. For yeah. example, we talked about right to be here, right? Yeah. Um, so the opposite of that is fear, right? Yeah. Um, the f- feelings, fluid energy. The second one, the opposite is guilt. Shame, um, guilt. Sh- yeah. um, so the ego Doubt. thing is shame. Loving to be loved is grief. Okay. Uh, speaking here the truth is lies and then yeah. and then the sixth and seventh is detachment or blindness that's interesting so, detachment and blindness yeah Ign- and, yeah like willful and the reason why she did this and then what the hell does this have to do with acting everybody you know some some old cranky bastard what the hell are these people talking about is acting but <laughs> if you are aware of that and if you know how to explode and implode and just uh, um, not be such a control explode freak and, and leave yourself implode. vulnerable it shapes you to be a better character that Let you're trying to portray move. on the stage right like if you notice old people some people are hunched right yeah. they're probably locked up yeah they're here they're, they're hunched over then you see some people who are perky open like um the the challenger we call it the challenger challenger defender shoulders character. back chest yes. open the one who's yeah. the one who defends Vul- the weak right? technically it's- vulnerable but at the same time there's something interesting that even though this is a vulnerable position yep. that only humans are ever in only humans but it's a character with their armor. hearts open like this. Yeah. Every other animal, you know, is down on all yep. fours, closed. But at the same time, when we see someone like this, we don't think, oh, they're vulnerable. We think that person's strong. Yes. Right? We recognize that immediately as this is a strong person. There's like this relationship between Look strength at apes, and vulnerability. Right? Look at yeah. apes when, when they're trying to exp- when they're exploding or whatever. Yeah. What pops out first. Pop, in pop, fact, pop. They, so, so she believes, uh, uh, as well as other people who teach this, that for people who want to do some real work in acting instead yeah. of just being in the lazy world of typecasting, no, you can never you play a... You, like me, I can never play a 40-year-old fine. I'm fucking 50 and I think I can. But, <laughs> but um, right? I, I mean, I don't look 50. I look like an unattractive 35-year-old. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, so for her... Right, this this challenger defender thing, mm. right? They occupy their mind by defending the weak who cannot defend themselves. Yeah, you can move oh, that, that back was and so forth, easy. wherever you want. Yeah, oh, that was so easy. It's all for you, man. Great, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. So I understand your work in, deals more with uh, physical to biomechanical. Um, cool. Please educate me and our audience on that. All right, and so and it sounds like with the lucid body movement, right? You're trying to move in almost an emotional way. An emotional, energetic way. Mm-hmm. And it's a recognition that certain motions and certain shapes are tapping into different like mental, emotional states with them. And you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the idea that you know, if you stand with your arms out like a star pose for long enough, it starts to change your biochemical balance, like more testosterone, more serotonin, less cortisol, all these things. So you stand like this, and then it communicates to your body, like, I'm strong, I'm capable, I can do this. Uh, and so moving yourself in a way that is expressive of that stuff to kind of release the armor. Um, a lot of the work that we do in, uh, at least... A lot of the times when we approach our yoga shapes, we do them much more biomechanically, right? That was the word that you used, and I think I've used as well. So it's trying to figure out how to move energy through the body from the ground up, right? So if you think about someone in space, they're trying to move and they're just flailing around, right? They have no capacity to control where they move because you need a surface to press into. And when you press into a surface, you get a force 
back, right? Newton's third law. You get an equal and opposite force from anywhere that, that you press into. 100%. So it's learning how to draw the energy up from the ground. And there's all these little locks, right? All these little spots that you have to get in the right. So you think the foot's got to be flat and like a part of the ankle has to be pulled up. You don't have a squeeze together of the thighs. And then like the pelvis rocks and the tailbone drops and it lets you lengthen the spine more. So you're starting to figure out how to move your body uh, or move the energy through your body in a variety of shapes. Uh, so that's the idea of like how to do it and then why do we do it? Like what shapes do we do? The simplest explanation would be you put yourself in shapes that you don't normally go into, right? So you have no need to go into a yoga shape like this, no, right? Your, your, your channels for this shape right now are like probably completely open. You've, you've aced this shape at this point. It's every other shape that's challenging for human beings just because of the patterns that we, we've lived our lives through. And, you know, yoga isn't necessarily like a natural practice in the sense of it came after civilization. It came after society. And so it was somewhat of a remedial practice for the changes that people were noticing to the human organism uh, through the society's civilization process, where people are not eating the way that they used to, they're not breathing the way they used to, they're not holding themselves the way that they used to, they're not exploring a large range of motion in the way that they used to. Um, I mean... To put it roughly, like the, the further society goes, the more comfortable it gets, uh, the less variety that we have like in a lot of our diets, the less variety that we have in our motions and shapes, um, the less challenges that we experience. And so yoga developing as a practice for re-engaging those systems in a variety of ways. So you put yourself in these different shapes that are hard because you don't do them. And you grow the capacity to do them by doing them. And then your body just gets more and more capable in any variety of shapes. So, you know, you have forward bends and back bends and twists and inversions and binds and all these things. And each, each type of shape is going to kind of unlock something else, open up those energy channels where prana is what they call it in the yoga sciences, but it's energy either in the form of, you know, charged particles, like there's charged particles in the air, charged particles in the blood and the hormones, or electrical signals like through the nervous system, uh, prana can flow through. That's, yeah. wow, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's, that's something. So that's guess, something indeed. <laughs> um, there are, in my experience, there are more people that are interested in doing yoga that I, than, than, the ones who actually go and do it. Um, I would think I guess, everyone's into it, just what they might not know that they are or not. Everybody wants it. And that's, and that, that, that's, Even if that's kind of what I'm, know. that's kind of where I'm going uh, with this. Like my wife, when I guess my wife wanted me to ask this question, like there are so many people that want to do yoga, but they're scared of it. Yeah. Like yoga is a scary thing because they, in their mind, they're stiff as a board. This yeah. person's going to turn me into a pretzel. And, 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 the pretzel and, shape is great. And I'm, like, you, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. You'd rather pay, <laughs> you'd rather pay a chiropractor to crack your back. And, and only for only to feel the same way for him to have to keep doing it than someone that is trying to make the muscles in your back stronger to to improve your quality of life so you can operate individual instead of the concession of permanent injury. Yeah. You know? And uh, when, and kind of constantly doing something from the outside in yep. to fix um, the problems that are created by the patterns. So I, I guess my question is, and maybe there's not an answer for this. How do you get people who are interested but scared? to feel comfortable about yoga 
I yeah. mean, someone comes to you, it's like, I want to do this, but I want to, I'm, I'm yeah. just going to be honest. Uh, I have my reservations. So I, I think, I think we kind of have like, <laughs> like there'll be like three yoga stereotypes, right? That a lot of people will go to in their expectation. If someone's like, Hey, you want to do yoga? I've never done it before. My mind will go to one of three places. And the one is like the yogi in the cave in Lotus pose, like rock solid. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's way fucking out there. That's not, that's not attainable. I, I'm not doing that for, you know, 72 hours <laughs> without moving. And then, and then I think the next, the next stereotype would be like a dancer, right? Who you see them and they're just like so open in every direction. They can do a split and a half, right? You're like, okay, I, I can't do that either. My legs will rip apart from my body. No. And then the third one, and I think this is, you know, our responsibility as yoga teachers is we we've made it into this this kind of workout thing this like really hardcore workout thing uh, like half pilates half yeah and you know like i love pilates i think it's super super functional i like teaching that kind of functional hip mobility work um but you know how can how can we bring the power and the strength element into it without uh losing some of the essence and the mindfulness because that's where so much of the benefit really comes from Right. Let it, me let me show you something really funny while while you're talking about this. This is one of my volleyball players I was coaching. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's funny because like, like every man, you better you better go somewhere with that. Almost every kid can do that kind of stuff. You know, any three, four, five-year-old can go from standing into a backbend, into a wheel pose, and, like, flip it over like it's no problem. Then it's, again, through the adultation process. I don't think that's a word, but you get Sorry. what I mean. Yeah, Th- come on. Through all the things that happen of growing up, we, we, we armor. We build up all this tension, and then we lose our capacities to do these types of things. Um, so go- going back to, like, the idea of if someone's scared to do yoga, uh, start with just a gentle class. You know, every studio has like a slow flow or a gentle yoga or a yin yoga or something like that. And just start to get into your body. You know, it's you don't get the benefit from having the shape be perfect, right? You go in the direction of the quote unquote like perfect shape, but you're getting the benefit every day that you do it. Every time that you do it, you're not waiting for some day to feel good about it. Every day you feel a little bit better because you're opening your body, you're re- releasing the armor, you're breathing through it, you're calming your systems down. Like it's it's a shedding practice, right? And life these days it it hits us so hard in so many different unexpected ways that it's impossible not to build up armor. And so the people who you know don't go insane from that armor buildup are the ones who have a, pr- a practice of shedding it. Mm-hmm. Right? And whether it's yoga or, you know, shit, running, you know, anything mm-hmm. that like gets anything that gets you moving, uh, gets you breathing, gets your nervous system to soften is going to be good. Right. And you'll get the they'll get you'll get the benefits immediately from it. Yeah. And I I think it's also the the I don't like calling it the long game, but maybe the patience game. The sounds, long game. The, yeah. The patience game sounds just as lazy, but it's I a long both, game. But yeah, I think it is like, look, for me, for movement, for actors, there were certain things because there were a lot of like, again, I was I'm just this returning adult student surrounded by everybody who's been doing this shit since they were nine. Yeah. And, I'm, and when I say acting, I mean acting, I mean musical theater, I mean dance, just Fully these complete in packages. Fully in it. You know, to, may, I don't know, maybe some of them, no, none of them are broke. They're all fucking despondent trust fund babies, right? Um, and me, I'm just this kid well, from Brooklyn who's in the that army, that might right? be its own type of broke. Yeah, but, right? <laughs> no, but there's certain stretches where there's one leg 
it's like a pigeon thing, right? The okay. one leg's in front and the other leg is like flexed all the way behind me. Okay. One leg's yeah. behind me and this one's, and that's a normal thing. Okay. And it's something I couldn't do. And, yeah. she, so, and she's so good. She's just like, okay, Jason, you do it this way or whatever. And this, yeah. But but as, as the classes went, you know, um, I started doing it like everybody else. Because like yeah. you said, the patience came. And I got, I, it was like I got a little bit more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, and a little bit more more range in what I was able to do. So like by it the time unlocks. by the time week four came, because we did this three hours. We didn't do it. It wasn't some classes meet twice a week. We we did a bang out thing like on Friday, like this three three hour three credit whatever. So we mm. did it every day, and there's some stuff we did on our own time. And let me tell you something. I had a full time job. My I thought I, I thought my boss is gonna fucking murder me <laughs> for disappearing three hours out of the day because somehow because so, I, I was working and going to school at the same time. Full time so, job is yeah. in like. Yeah. nine to five type of job yes yeah. and the only redeeming thing about it is that the job i was working at was across the street there you from go. where college was it so, facilitated uh, yeah. your other pursuits yeah so a class yeah. if a class is an hour and 20 minutes hey look i need to run i need lunch to, break i need to disappear for an hour and a half three hours lunch. is a little bit different no but uh, yeah, yeah you could disappear for an hour and a half right five minutes <laughs> like across, a 30 or five day. minutes there five minutes back mm-hmm. right you make up the time work nine to five thirty right yeah. nobody kisses up but man <laughs> three hours no but the point i was trying to make by the time i got to week four right um professor looks at me jason okay <laughs> okay very good you okay know? and now you know now right now i can roll with the pack you know <laughs> like uh, or do it like everybody else like a regular mammal so um do you agree that uh, like the the people it's just about the patience game it's just about, it's about the patience and and dropping your ego in it right dropping your ego from it rather yeah. because you can approach any of the shapes like with your ego or with a sense of humility. And if it's with your ego, you're trying to like, how can I make the shape as impressive as possible right, right. now? Yep. Right. Like mm-hmm. I want it now. And that's how people get hurt. They push themselves too far. That's how you pull things. Whereas you approach it with some humility. It's not about an achievement of the shape. It's about the practice and trusting that the practice is going to take you where you want to go. Right. So you show up and some days are going to be feel better. Some days aren't going to feel so good. Some days you're going to do something new, like a shape's going to unlock. And I, I like using the word unlock uh, because the right things will have been opened from, you know, easier versions of this shape or just from the motion that you've been doing or from your nervous system because your mind is calm and you'll get into it. And you're like, wow. Right. And that's incredible. And you'll, so don't pay attention to the achievement. Pay attention to the practice and keep showing up for the practice and the achievements, they will just start coming. They will start coming. Right. But if you're just focused on it, like that's how that's usually how people get hurt. And I think that this style of lucid body movement and even just basic yoga really helps actors because it's synonymous in the sense that you don't go on the stage to be good. You go on the stage to perform and like you you got a role. The net result is you're good. And if and to the extent that you're paying attention to the yes. role and not, yeah. am I doing good? It's and it, that's, it is about that's when up it control. is good. It is about it's 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 about giving up your ego, but it's also about giving up control because that, yeah. that they're connected. Giving you got to soften and you and being, um, you know, like you said, just not being able to make yourself vulnerable. Yeah. To, 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 to try this, to explore this, to feel like an asshole, you know, what I mean, whatever, to put to put it in my terms. But yeah. the, the one thing the one thing that the, the major thing that this and theater performance has in common is that if you go up there to try to be good, you're, you're not probably be not good. going to be. No, no. No. I had Lauren Bacall. The my, my nine to five was a doctor's office, okay. right? It was a cardiology practice. Doctor Isidore Rosenfeld, Doctor of the Stars. 
Okay. So Lauren Bacall, president of, you know, Prime Minister Budo at the time, Ron Howard, Milos Foreman, you know, Mil- um, he was in Man on the Moon because okay. cause he was he knew Dr. Um, because uh, he knew Andy Kaufman. Okay. Right. And the director is Milos Foreman. He okay. was also in um, A Beautiful Mind okay. because yep. he knew Dr. Nash and the director was Ron Howard. Okay. So Dr. The Star. So Lauren Bacall comes in and she tells this story because she never waited in the waiting room. She just sits sits with me and she's like, hurry up. You know, I don't have all fucking day, you know, but <laughs> but for me, she never talked to me like that. It was just, um, you know, it's my desk. It's like this row people work mm. on and she sits with me. She's got her dog, Sophie, and she told this story about doing 100 performances and bear with me on this one okay she did uh, 100 performances okay and like the first four or five shows is the way that she asked for the sugar like for her tea that just had the audience cracking up so hmm. it's something that she picked up on and then she just she tried to play to that and like the next 90 performances or i'm just using 90 as a, yeah it was probably 50 performances yeah. or whatever but give the feel but let's say the next 90 performances she she tried to play to it and no one laughed and then her last five performances, everybody started laughing. She released it. And they <laughs> and it was an interview on her and they said, What did you do? And she said, I asked for the sugar instead of asking for the laugh. Ha! <laughs> I like that. That's so great. Very it's it's a, one of the most important things yeah. in theater performance. Um Anyone who's taken Stanislavski style of Sanford Meisner is all about action objectives. They call it goat goat goal, obstacle, tactics expectation okay so if you're a young person and there's michael chekhov which we could always get into later but michael chekhov is more for older people because you can reflect on experience like yeah sanford meisner if you get up to go across the room you need a reason to right check off no just get up go across the room come back no i want to go again go again all right cool i'll come back and then you eventually organically find out on its own. And, and, and this way, your action objectives comes from a more honest place that yeah. you can identify with through experience. Yeah. So, you know, younger people, right? You, the fuck you, you don't know how it feels to be divorced or married, right? You know how it feels to serve in the military? Well, you're, you're a man, fucking rookie, man. So many different so, things that you don't even... Yeah, so, you just can't even come to understand remotely until yeah, so, so certain bottom, age, yeah, certain so experience. Bottom, so I'm, I don't want to interrupt you because you're, you're you're saying all these awesome things, and I'm fucking I'm a, I'm a blabbermouth. <laughs> but goat, basically, I don't know. You're doing a scene. Goat to get her to love me again. Tactics. She's got a boyfriend, right? I mean, no obstacle. Go go yeah. goal. Obstacle. She's got a boyfriend. Tactics. <laughs> fake it till you make it right? <laughs> expectation you get back together yeah you know so okay. so very so how much does that um how how far am i f- from the truth or lying to myself as far as yoga into and, and, and just giving up that level of control you know um instead of going in there with the ability to to knock this out instead yeah. just let you know the net result should be knocking it out right instead of your goal to knock it out so I think this is like where the context of the of the practice comes in. So, in the yoga philosophy, uh, the yoga approach, the yogic approach to living, asana, which is a physical practice, is the third out of eight stages. Right. So there are two other stages that you're supposed to be attending to prior to even ever unrolling your mat and getting you know into your body and attempting these shapes. Uh, the first one is very much how you relate to the external world. Um, so there's almost like five commandments and they're not so clear as like, you know, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. It's not like that. It's like non-striving, non-attachment, 
energy conservation, nonviolence, these types of things. So it's how you relate to the external world. And then the next limb of yoga, the second one is how you relate to your internal world. So these things like uh, purity or like cleanliness, uh, contentment is one. But an important one here, the, the last one of the, uh, the niyamas or what they're called, um, Ishvara Pranidhan, is devotion. So it's a devotion to a higher power. So before you even get onto the yoga mat, this has to be like an essential part of your life, that the, your actions and what you're doing is about something other than you, right? And I think that's a lot of us, all of us, me especially, we, we you know, I want to do the asana stuff and we, we jump right in and we, we ignore these uh, kind of psychosocial components that get your mind right so that when you do get in to start doing the asana, you're not doing it from a freaked out nervous system. You're not doing it from this sense of ego glory. And so when you approach these shapes, it's all about, you know, I'm doing this to increase my capacity to serve because a healthy, strong body is going to be that much better of a servant to do, you know, the good work. And so that kind of ego thing, it's not that it's not necessarily going to be there and it's not going to come up and you're not going to get excited about, you know, doing certain things because like, shit, it's fun. You know, it's fun being able to do stuff on your arms, like handstands and arm balances and backwards somersaults and shit. Yeah. But uh, that it's not just the, the yoga, the asana, the shapes are not an end. It's, it's a part of the yoga process. And yeah, I, th I think that's how it kind of makes sense of it. Well, it's very Chekhovian in a sense where the, 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 the journey to the destination um um, the joy from that pales in comparison to the journey itself. In fact, it's all about yeah. the journey itself. Yeah, you and they, they, you know, they're, they're saying such as before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. You're doing the exact same shit. Nothing for a fucking college beach volleyball, dude. Nothing is ever, <laughs> nothing changed, only like now you're fucking present with what you're doing. Yep. Right? So it's not about any goal other than, you know, just being present and being the best that you can and contributing something chop wood carry water chop wood carry water yeah yeah jo coach john mayer the head coach at lmu that john mayer yeah the boy john mayer singer too <laughs> look he look he should have been coach of the year this year so i mean we i mean we ain't gonna it's so cool not to have to talk about volleyball because volleyball like uh, people are careful what they say because they don't want to sound like they're casting aspersions on anybody where someone that you have to work with in the future so every so this everyone's so politically correct and i feel like i'm out there by myself when it comes to keep i mean no well i look i'm not talking about me because the thing that divides me from a lot of the players and coaches and and any basically anyone is my bottom line and my brand are are completely separated okay like what and that, I say and that's a beautiful not thing that, you, that your Nobody, bottom line and nobody's going to say in other words what anything i said to you on this podcast about a coach or a player yeah is i might make some enemies here and there but they're gonna not they can't like not pay me or and they might snub me or this guy will never you know coach or commentate at my event and i'm and i'm probably and the cool thing is like if that's their attitude um then that's fine and nine out of ten times they weren't gonna have they weren't gonna hire me anyway. <laughs> so yeah. so what I, I'm not gonna sell out and do things every other's every everybody else's way on the hopes to get somewhere where one, um, then I'm not gonna get in anyway. And two, now now it's double because I fucking sold my soul and I didn't get, and I didn't get what I want. So so I reached a certain age 
um, and and finances or whatever. And, and that's the thing. Where, like you've, you've yeah. set the stage such that your bottom you, line and your brand. Uh, it, it, it's the most liberating feeling in the world to to have those completely. Separate. Yeah, I believe you. And, 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 and I, 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 I felt this. I felt this as a challenge with myself <laughs> and my practice because I mean my bottom line is teaching yoga. You know, yeah. and it's not so secure. Uh, and to a certain extent, like, well, the market wants certain things. And right now the market's pretty weird. It's, uh, the, mar- it's the market's scary. pretty weird. It has to be scary it right is. now, dude. It's a little scary. Oh my God. But look, I, I, it's a phase, man. It's an evolution. I'm, I'm not 25. I'm, I'm 50. I don't, I mean, it's crazy that people think I should go through that. And I'm like, when you turn 50, Come back, come, come, see me. <laughs> come see me on, on that full circle. Let's have a conversation. Because look, when I was twenty five, I, I went through that. I, in fact, at least you know, given your age, you at least know where you are and kind of what you want and and where and where you're headed. I mean, which who you who you think you're gonna be as a kid and then having a realization, right? What the hell? I thought I wanted to be an accountant, dude. Really? <laughs> you only need to take one class in, col- in college to be like yes. <laughs> Actually. Now ninja. I always wanted to be a ninja. And now, like, I'm doing yoga stuff. Like, this is pretty close to being a ninja. It's a different kind of ninja, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I've been brainwashed to think that all the things I wanted to do were not practical. I'm from a blue-collar family. I'm a son of an iron worker. My stepfather's an iron worker. My mom was a legal secretary and then, you know, paralegal and went to undergrad and law school and all that stuff. So you tell your parents you want to be an actor. They're just like... Can't do that. Yeah, you better get your ass a civil service job or something. Yeah. You know, I want to be, um, you know. So yeah, we have those called politician. Vo- yes. <laughs> I want to be a volleyball Successful coach. Successful actor. I want to do these things, you know. And they're right because they're thinking, okay, how are you going to pay for yourself if you do this? And I get that And too. they're trying to take care of the practical element yeah. of your existence. And it's taken me a while, like maybe yeah. until the last few months to start to really understand that. You know, it's, and it's funny you say like where you came from, like a blue collar family. I came from a super white collar family. I grew up in a very affluent suburb in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like, you think what's possible according to the role models around you. And so where I grew up, like, there weren't artists. Mm -hmm. There weren't musicians, right? There weren't people doing their own kind of creative endeavors. There were, like, a lot of people who were kind of doctors, lawyers, education people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that that kind of upper strata white-collar work. And so you think okay, well, the only option, the only thing that I can do, because it seems like it's the only thing that anyone has done that I that I know personally, mm-hmm. is, well, you go to university right after and you get a, a four-year degree and odds are that's still not going to be enough, so you got to do something else. And But shit, you're 18 yeah. you're, you're, or 17 graduating from high school and in like such a bubble of a world uh, and a world that's changed so much like since I was 17. I'm like, how could I have prepared? How could I have set an expectation of like, okay, eight years from now, I want to be doing this. And you it's know, like, oh, wait, you can't. <laughs> I think that's one of the hardest things about the times that we're in is everything's so variable and changing so quickly. Like, how are we supposed to project into the future and take actions towards some type of goal when it feels like the ground is just changing all the time? Well, that's but that's why it took me so long to go back to college. Look, mm. I served in the military. You know, a couple of years out of 18, uh, I worked at a law firm uh, for a little bit, just serving court papers, doing messenger bullshit. Serving and, people. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. But um, Probably <laughs> built up a voice for you, though. <laughs> like, I mean, I acquired it. Uh, I, I, my mom was, a, not was, is a highly religious person. Kay. So um, she made me sing choir because, okay. every, like, everyone in our family can sing. Kay. Like, I'm, I'm the runt of the litter, Kay. but it's still... It's still enough to beat any of these these these, these pukes. It's cool but, to um, see like what 
talents mm. or capacities yeah. you have in a, as an adult from mm. different things. You're like, okay, I don't sing in church choir anymore, but I can still sing, and that's a beautiful thing. And it even is. if you're not singing, like you're speaking now, and like, what do you do? professionally dude in the military a on, lot of speaking when we're doing the runs or the freaking road marches who, who do you think is doing the cadence it, it was me <laughs> left man. left sing for us jason <laughs> makes me happy um, <laughs> but that's such a power uh, i mean speaking and singing like that's a superpower <laughs> if you want to talk about a superpower that humans have speaking is one of them think just from the the sounds that you make from your mouth that's all that words really are, right? They're just they're sounds that you make from your mouth and they, they have a meaning to you and they have hopefully a similar meaning to the people who hear it, but it inspires them or it can inspire them to certain action if you make the sounds right, mm-hmm. right? So you almost like put out this broadcast and then the world starts shifting and changing according to the things that you've said. And I think like with podcasts, especially that so many people are speaking now and so many people are listening to different ideas and with every idea that you encounter you're probably shifting your gears and your direction in life at least your perception uh somewhat yeah well when i got out of the military i was at hunter college for a cup of coffee didn't wasn't down with this whole school thing and the whole time i'm thinking i want to do theater i want to do theater and and i'm at this office and i'm just doing imitations and like certain movies i do from beginning to end you know i was doing like joe pesci you, you know it's like you want to tell me something tough guy okay go go fuck your mother <laughs> bing bing pow bam so, we need a bro so, we need someone from brooklyn <laughs> yes, so, yeah man some of the most talented everything right actors comedians lauren bacall's from brooklyn uh, originally well, and i think um, i think New York is one of those examples of, all right, let's put people in like just a really competitive environment with a lot of resources that you have to scrap and fight over and you're going to get some phenomenal winners. You really right? are. You're going to get some people who come out of that shit flying. Well, what got, be- what got me back into theater is... Lauren Bacall, she's sitting there and she's, they, we called her Dragon Lady because she, <laughs> she was always in a fucking bad mood. You okay. know what I mean? In fact... It was one of these doctor's offices where we had the old doctor in his 70s. We had two nurses, old ass nurse, old nurse from Switzerland. You know, like my, my daughter's really good. Oh, not so much for you, you know. <laughs> um, and then one who was a nurse in World War II. And it's the only job she's had outside of the Navy. She huh. worked for my boss's father, Dr. Master, who created the, the stress test okay. and eventually worked for him. So. It's only these ladies can set Lauren Bacall straight. You know, okay. like they'll pull it to the side. You're acting like a bitch. And if you She's continue like, okay. to act like this, Heard. you would be very alone. So that's the kind of you know, <laughs> moral turpitude. They so so I was like, I really want to get into this theater thing. And then Lauren Bacall sat next to me and she goes, well, what else are you doing? And I was like, what a, what a it's fucking a bitch. It's a great effing point. I said, it? what a fucking <laughs> bitch, right? But, but. I, I was just like, hey, honest she, though, she she's not wrong. So yeah. I was like, I have absolutely nothing to lose. I don't have my college degree. Um, yeah. Eventually, if I'm going to stay in this cardiology or, or this administrative stuff, I was like making a pile of money doing a mid level administration for this for this small practice. But if I was going to move up, I, first of all, I'd have to move out because. Yeah. His pri- in a private practice, your ceiling's only so high. Yeah. Because it's. Yeah. So, but no one's hiring you without your BA or BS. Okay. And I'm like, if I'm going to go back to school, let me go back to school doing something that I'm going to have fun and work hard at or whatever. Yeah. And, and I knew this story would come back full circle, right? Mary Mount Manhattan. Yeah. So I'm. Pr- you have to audition. 
Sure, I'm fine. Okay. This and that. You say so. So the coming to Jesus moment, the thing that scared hmm. me the most is in the morning they do the dance auditions, and then um, close to noon they do musical theater um, and singing. Um, I guess whatever. That's redundant. And then early afternoon auditions for for the BFA program, which is straight acting okay. or um, theater with a concentration in theater performance. Okay. BA and BFA are kind of the same thing. Okay. Except BFA, you get to choose. You have dibs on faculty. Okay. Um, so I'm waiting. I get there early, and then I just see people on the dance. This girl runs out crying, right? <sighs> and then I see, um, like, musical theater. Oh, this man. other girl comes out, and she's pissed. She leaves. And then the professor, her name is Patricia Simon, who I'm, I'm, I might get into. But I'm, I'm talking to my, my man, Ishmael Wilson, later. And we're going we're gonna to out her later. I don't, cool. wanna, I don't think I want to out her twice. Save it. <laughs> um, She'll come at you. Yeah, she's like, oh, oh, can I... Thank you. Can I have someone real, please? You know, next, come in. You know, oh God. this girl's hugging her parents and the parents are just kind of like, how oh, dare you? Oh, man. And I'm just I can like, only imagine like seeing, a really high level uh, I'm admission s- process. And I'm seeing all of this and I'm just like, oh, shit. What did I sign up for? What the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going away from the mic. What the fuck did I get myself into? So what happened was there was a woman named Liz. We just call her Liz. I forgot her last name, but the people that from Marymount are listening to us know who she is. Um, and Brian Reinhardt. He's like a, a theater or whatever. Long, I guess long story, not so long. Why do you want to get into acting? They, they ask every person in a room. And, yeah. and I was like, just fucking be honest. I'm like, I grew up in a household where, you know, I mean, I married into a white collar family. Like my mm. girl went to Harvard, you know, fought, parents went to Harvard and Duke and all that stuff. So they're an academic family. But for me, it wasn't a reality. Like that was not yeah. something we did. That was that's that's a pipe dream. That's let's you know you don't you don't get to do, guys like you don't get to do those things. And so, in this in your subconscious mind, yeah. this whole realm of possibilities but, are just blacked yes, out because be, of your experiences. Yes, but being honest in that moment with everybody listening yeah. in that room, that the audition room, was the single most thing that saved my ass because I was just honest and everybody was probably so filtered. Everyone was giving a fuck. Everyone, no, everyone found themselves. Well, you know what? This is the this is the most uh, exhale thing I've experienced all day. I'm stressed. Like, this is I what we've up my, This is what we've been working city. for. Yes. Like all your life, honey. This is what we've been working for. Don't screw it up. But it was the first exhale. Every because there were people in the room that weren't, weren't just auditioning for that. For me, I was doing that and only that, not okay. musical theater. But there was probably one girl that was like, "Man, I, I fucked up my musical theater thing. My, my dance, my career is okay. over. And and please, I really need to nail this to get into the school. And then when I I say something like that. Like, what's the reality and what isn't and, and this and that. Everyone in the room, I felt like everyone gave a fuck what I had to say. And then I, then I said, then at the end, I People was like... People have a... We have a barometer yeah. for truth. Yes. You know? And but the funniest line was, I said, well, I don't live with my parents anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, and this is something that's like true about me. You know? Nailed, Got a little more experience. Nailed the audition, and um, I went back to work, and I was like, I think I nailed it. And like the old nurses, when I left, the two old nurses are like, he's going to be so disappointed when he doesn't make it. Oh, <laughs> you man. know what I'm saying? They're just, they're just these Debbie Downer realist bitches, right? Well, it's funny, though, like going in <laughs> with a certain mind. You know, so when I when I first auditioned to be a yoga teacher out of my yeah. teacher training, like I was still going through my teacher training, and we had at, with Soho an open audition. And the way it works is like this round robin kind of thing where we kind of we'll have like eight people who are auditioning, and we're all teaching the same class and we take turns. So it's like one person goes and like they're supposed to, you know, intelligently teach based off of like what we've already done. And, you know, 
what's been established, like where we might want to go next, right? So it's not just, oh, throw them into whatever shape. You're supposed to be paying attention and queuing accordingly, right? Mm -hmm. If I teach something right side and then teacher's like, okay, next person, you should probably teach it left side, right? Balance it out. Everyone was so nervous. Everyone was so <laughs> nervous. People get so nervous about teaching yoga in audition type settings. And so I, I was still in teacher training at the time. And I at first I was like, I'm just going to go and watch. So I know what like what the expectation is for when I do want to audition. I'm like, well, I'm already here. I might as well. So I had zero expectations for myself to do good. And it just flowed out completely naturally. And it, it just, it's funny how it works like that. Like, there's such a thing as over-preparing. Like, when I, when I teach yoga, I don't prepare for my classes by class. I don't prepare for any one specific class. Cool. I put in the prep work of, like, learning all this stuff at the beginning, doing these trainings. Uh, I do a lot of prep work in my own self-practice. I find, like, that's priority number one is my practice. Everything I teach will stem from my practice. It'll be quality because I'm focused on my practice. And then, you know, I'm well slept, I'm well fed, I'm well caffeinated. I've like done my practice in the morning. So when I show up to teach, I haven't done anything to prep for this class, but I've done everything to prep myself so that I can be present with what's going on and honest with what's going on and let it be natural. And when that happens, like th- there's magic there, and the, like, there the brain works too. better, and like the people who you auditioned with, I'm sure they felt it from you. Like this is a real human being. Uh, you know, if you're gonna give me a rehearsed script about why you want to be here, you better blow it out yes. of the water. <laughs> and let me tell you something. When people volunteer information, like if they're in the elevator and the girl tells her parents, she's like, "This is the guy I was telling you about. He was so fucking good in the the audition or whatever." You know what I'm saying? When, you don't ask someone how you're doing and they're being yeah. polite. When people you never, you don't know from a can of paint were like, that was yeah. awesome. That they didn't have real. to say anything. Um, yeah. So you're supposed to wait. I'm Kanye Westing this thing. Cool. It's, it's Sweet. Supposed to be, About it. It's supposed always. to come full circle. <laughs> we can always Kanye like, West anything you no, want. Because right? it sounds like I'm going off the deep end. But when you bring it back and how it connects to the original subject matter, I, I promise you I'm getting there. It's all good. Um, supposed to wait like a month and a half for an acceptance letter yeah. or a rejection letter. Next right? day, they're calling you up at work like, Jason. Actually, that's what happened. That's it. Two days later, I had one battery left on my phone. You're supposed phone. to wait like six weeks if you're a maybe or if you're a no. This <laughs> is hilarious. I mean, I'm, can you imagine how six weeks and you uh, um, and if you really want six this, weeks of nerves, no, if you really want this program in a bad way, because there's some people yeah. that are like, all right, you know, I auditioned for Juilliard too. I auditioned for Am- AMDA. You know, AMDA was a, is still, still a good program. DePaul, Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. All of these are good theater programs. Yeah. But, but at that time. For a 10-year time span, number one and number two is Juilliard and Marymount. Okay. East side, Marymount. West side, Juilliard. Central okay. Park's in the middle. So, um, oh, okay. Got it. So instead of waiting the six weeks, a day and a half later, um, I'm walking from my office to the hospital cause yeah. on York Avenue. And I pass by the school. This girl I'm dating, because that's because in Marymount, that's what 33-year-olds date. We fucking date 20-year-olds, right? So, <laughs> so um, right? That's so that's that's a whole other story. Uh, that's so a whole she, other story. So she's, like, she's like, Jason, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to the hospital. I got to drop off some tapes and stuff. And she's like, can I come with you? I'll walk you. I'm like, sure. So my phone rings, right? One cell, I'm, phone's dying, right? And I'm like, hi, uh, Jason. And he's like, I'd like to speak to Jason DeBeers. And I'm like, you you found such a man. I am yeah, he. I am he, right? Because I didn't notice he. I know he was. I'm acting like a clown. This might be me. So he's like, hi. Who's this? He's like, hi, David Mould uh, from uh, Mary Mount Manhattan's Theater Department. I'm just like. Like a day and a half later. idiot. And I'm just like, strange you should call me now, uh, 
sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you're awkward yeah, and shit like, in a way I that you weren't to be before. In front of the school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, "Oh, if you're in front of the school, so come on um, in. Come on in. I want to talk to you. Do you have some time to talk to me?" And I'm like, sure. So I hang up the phone and she's like, who is that? I'm like, that's David Moe. And she's like, oh shit, that's so rare. This is so rare. And I'm like, she's freaking and out. And I'm for like, you. no, but she's like, this is so rare because she knows. Yeah. And I don't know. Was she's she like, at this the is school? so, yeah. Yeah. And she auditioned twice for the BFA, but okay. only got, got it. in BA. She wanted the BFA because you got to pick the your teachers. BFA, and not just that, the BFA. The third year is Ibsen, comedy and manners for people who want to stay in theater. Okay. And the entire fourth year is Shakespeare. Uh, the BA program is two years contemporary just like the BFA but the third year you get to choose to do what you want you want to do acting for the camera you want to do movement for general ensemble so you kind of it's it's okay. more flexibility but a yeah. lot of people who wanted to go to theater and stay in a theater desperately want to be in the BFA me okay. I, I, if you don't know what kind of acting that you want to do you probably want to do but that BA. was the whole reason yeah. I didn't want I'm like I don't even fucking read Shakespeare I don't want nothing to do with Shakespeare, Shakespeare. So I, when I auditioned <laughs> no, but when I auditioned I checked off BA Okay. Yeah. Because I knew the BFA, you had to be a full time student. BA, you didn't. Okay. BFA, you weren't allowed to do outside work during the academic year. BA, you could do whatever the fuck you want. And I'm like, I want to do whatever the fuck I want. So she's like, this is so rare. And I'm like, what's rare? She's like, um, what, did, what did he say? He he go, Are you going to go in? I'm, yeah, I'm going to go in. So I go in. And he's like, I noticed you checked off BF, BA. And, and we wanted to know if you're interested in the BFA program. And he says, before you say yes or no, um, I'll say this it's easier to start BA, BFA and switch out. Yeah. Then it is to stay BA and then you change your mind and, and try to get it. It's a lot okay. harder to, to change your mind and get in than it is to get out. So I'm like, sure, let's give it a go. He's like, look, worst case scenario, do the two years contemporary under the BFA. And if you don't like it, switch. Switch after the two years. So mm. and that's that's kind of what I did. I did it my third year because third year acting and fourth year acting were two hours and I couldn't skip work yeah and the last year was two two hours and 40 minutes twice a week i couldn't I, I get fucking drop kicked i swear to i mean my office is very supportive and they're very happy i'm going but i'm i didn't want to, to a ab- certain extent i didn't want to abuse that that respect and courage yeah. so i guess the point i was trying to make the whole time was that there is some there is reward for making yourself vulnerable and just giving up this control because we're, we're and at the end of the day we're all control freaks there's just levels to it well and it's there's just levels to the completion so of said control the freak. very unique thing about being a human you've got a brain that can project mm. into the future yep we're the only creature as far as we know that really has the capacity to do that well what does that mean like that's that's the most useful thing for our survival that we have is the ability to project into the future 100%. but we've let that shit go override right to the mm. point where now you know, well, how much do I really need to project? I know when I'm working, I've got it on my calendar, I'm getting notifications. Like, do I need to be in the future all the time? Like, how do I get back to the present because there's all this other good stuff here? You know? But, like, yeah. And because we can project into the future, we're constantly trying to control what's going on to cater the future to be exactly like what we want it to, what our dreams are. Yeah, like we're absolutely sure what the future holds, right? Yeah. That's so true. For, for the people listening, for the audience uh, watching the video version, I apologize. This is the first um, episode. I'm getting it in in studio. You know, I mean, this cold COVID things relax a little bit. Um, the person who texts Musha, who actually knows what she's doing, <laughs> is not here. <laughs> so this camera, if it, if, the, if it cuts off, it cuts off. The audio, by the way, stays the same. Cool. The audio doesn't cut off. Yep. Just the video. Just goes black every now and then. And the and the zoom in stop jumping when we when you and me stop jumping, <laughs> you know when we stop moving around. Yeah, like and honestly, that's what divides film from from theater, right? Like film, 
Film only cares about what the camera's pointing at. The uh, you, whole it, thing's going miss. on in the theater. Yeah, so that's I mean the discipline, and that's what yeah. Lauren Bacall, that she taught me. She said, "You're fully on." She Every said inch she of your learned body. from Humphrey Bogart. She said, "The audience is always one step ahead of you. If someone points a gun to your face, um, the audience already knows you're afraid. You don't have to make faces. Yeah. So the subtlety of theater, like if you do an eyebrow thing or just this, the camera's gonna pick it up. And yeah. the only thing the camera gives a shit of is, is what it sees. Yeah. Where theater, there's exaggeration, there's expression. The people in the cheap seats got to see how you really feel. So like like you said, voice is the common denominator. Voice, voice, and more yeah. voice. But there are some people that just have stage performance faces. Yeah. And you know the kind of person I'm talking about? People with wide eyes or just like... And you know, we, we have this in the yoga community as well for teachers. Yes. Like stage performance faces, stage performance energy, mm-hmm. right? I think, I think that's one of the things that like, you know, getting into teaching yoga, getting into teaching anything, or I say getting into doing anything that you care about, mm-hmm. right? It's learning how to take that element of, I care about this, I want this to be good, and then softening that control and realizing like it's going to be as good as it possibly can be, right? And you can't fight it, you can't force it. Yep. And yeah. you can actually cheapen it by trying too hard, right? You oversell it, I'm not yeah. buying it. And I'm sure there's actors, like you see it all the time, oversell something, like, that doesn't feel real anymore. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Or yoga teachers or any kind of teacher, like trying so hard to set the spiritual stage. You're like, "Eh, I'm not buying it. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Throw some swears in there. Like (laughs) it's not all good. It's not all peace and Zen. You know, maybe it's not supposed to be. Well, we call it quicksand. Um, I got a, yeah, like a Keanu Reeves reference from the movie Replacements. He's like this football player who's a scab. Like they went on strike, so they, you know, scab yeah. players started coming yeah. back. But they were just talking about what you fear, what you're afraid of. Oh, I'm scared of spiders. I'm me. I'm, I'm afraid of clowns. You know, I, I'm a clown of So, well, for me, that's a true story, but that's a whole nother story. You don't like clowns? Fuck no. I don't like clowns either. No, like, man, I don't think I, anyone, anyone likes clowns anymore. I can't fuck it's with no good clowns, thing. I just can't fuck with clowns. I will punch you, you think you have any clown listeners? Clown in the mouth if he if he thinks he's trying to relate to me, I will punch him out of fear. Mm. Do you think you have any clown listeners? Like Jason? Yes. Thought. Yeah. I'll, huh. That's the next news. Jason, Jason hates clowns. <laughs> Jason hates clowns. <laughs> Jason's a clown bigot. Clownophobe. Canceled. Yeah. Clownophobe. Clownophobe. So do we segue that? <laughs> so, so I use this as a teaching tool for some of the juniors I coach. Like I coach okay. juniors. I coach college for 12 years. Yeah. Um, my last gig was LMU. I was the John's assistant um, for the women's beach team. Funny, I worked um, uh, with a LMU women's tennis team. Yep. Yoga cool, stuff. Man. Yeah, yeah, man. And they're like, I like that because they come out of your class feeling like they could kick anybody's ass. Well, right? any, <laughs> any sport, mm-hmm. any sport, because there's a goal. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a goal of like getting points, of scoring a goal, of winning the game. Mm-hmm. Right. People are going to beat their bodies up in pursuit of that goal. Right. Yeah. That, that's like the, one of the things about sports. Like, why does everyone get injured in sports? Because the goal is not health. Health is the means of, you know, the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, winning will prioritize over it a lot of times. Yeah. So quicksand. Right. Yeah. I tell some of my juniors, right? You you make a good play, you make a couple of good plays. Um, everything's normal, right? Like like your training maybe kicks in, maybe it doesn't. But then something goes wrong, right? And then another thing goes wrong, and then another thing goes wrong. And you and your natural animal instinct feel like you have to do the same thing harder. Yeah. But the harder you fight, the deeper you sink. Oh man! Until you eventually find out you're in over your head. 
That's quicksand. That's a big quicksand. Big, it's a big, big fucking sports yeah. fear. That's a big theater. Is, it's a big theater fear. And I would say this is this is a case for every human being. Yeah. This is this is such a pattern. Like quicksand. you're you're describing this, and I've noticed this pattern play out in so many times yeah. in my life as well. Still currently playing out in my yeah. <laughs> life. But it's, it's natural but it to think you just have to do more or do harder or try harder. And that's what that's what the solution is. And that's is. our responsibility as teachers, right? To let people know to soften people two very important things. One, it's natural. Yeah. Uh, um, no, the other the other team's feeling it. Yeah, that's one. And two, it's not it's not an ab, it's not an abnormal feeling. It's it, this is a natural feeling. Yeah, um, there's ups and downs. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you know it, how it applies to winning and losing is even even more of a lesson. And, and this starts to go into like biochemistry as well, because anytime you lose, and you know, relating it back evolutionarily, it'd be losing like a battle or an alpha standoff type of thing, right? And even if it's not a battle, if you lose an alpha standoff, like you get a biochemical shift. Out of serotonin, less serotonin, more cortisol, because it's going to make you more like reactive, responsive, more fearful, so that like you've kind of recognized your lower position and now you've got to like defend yourself. But right? doesn't that go back to character armor? Yeah, ex- uh, yeah, definitely. Right? No, yeah, I and mean... then you start because you're now perceiving the world in this scary way, right? You're, you're building up armor to protect yourself, but then you're like trying harder and trying harder and because you're trying from this really tensed up energy, you're not succeeding. And so you have like failure again, failure again, failure again. And each time it like lowers you down the serotonin ladder. And then sometimes you just need something like, you just need to fucking win sometimes. Don't we? And, and it's so weird. Or a because, break. And it's so weird because that shapes a type of person. Yeah. Dude, we're talking about a type of person. Yeah. Like uh, um, if we could write a few a few characteristic traits about this person, we that, that, wow, I'm like in my life, I... That's that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, you know? And you can probably look at different times yeah. in your life where we're like, event, event, event. Like, I felt like an effing loser. Yep. Right? And it makes sense because okay. you, can, you just keep having these losses and then it becomes this biochemical part of your being and you see the world through, like, this lens of those experiences. Uh, how do you get back up from those? It's true. Like, that, like, that's the hard part. How do you get back up when you've been hit down so many times? Because no it, it's not just like, Oh, it's not just like tough it up, toughen no. up. No, it's something has to change in your psychology. For me, psychological acceptance that things go wrong um, helps build it. Because I'm one yeah. of those. Look, coming up in volleyball, you realize you're as good as someone. You realize you're eventually you get better and you get better. And I have the same level of nervousness. If I'm on center court playing the last place team, Playing a team that's unseated, not coming. If let's say I come in a grass tournament and I'm the number one seed, I have the same level of nervousness playing a, a relative unknown as I as I as I have in the finals playing a team that that we've been wanting to beat beat the shit out of each other. What for do you, a long when you time. say nervousness? Like, what do you think that phenomena is? It's just uh, um, we an athlete athletics. We call it butterflies. Yeah. Just this excitement and you. You can have butterflies and be the type of re- player where, like, if you have butterflies, that only means you're ready. Yeah. Or you could be the type of player where you have this that heightened level of enthusiasm, and the enthusiasm works against you. Yeah. And um, to quote Chael Sonnen, Chael Sonnen um, 
He's a mixed martial artist, and okay. he, he did a reality show called The Ultimate Fighter, where these young up and comers, they two two it was him and John Jones, two teams, where they were just coaching kids and making them better fighters, mm-hmm. and and the winner gets a contract at the end. Nice. So, so one guy's just like, I'm scared every match, and this and that, and he's like, I can finish that sentence for you, and like. he said in the narration, because as he's teaching his kid, he said, they tell you that losing is not an option. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Losing is an option. Losing just is don't the most. It. Losing is the most readily available option <laughs> all the time he's, and, he says, and he says the two most important things you can tell that person is what we were just talking about one one the other person's feeling the same thing you are and yeah. two it's not it's it's a perfectly natural feeling especially so, if you're fighting i mean let's yes. be honest you're about to walk into a cage yeah. with like another trained fighter yep stakes but, are high but it's us as coaches to uh, teach us to say hey next point uh, uh, let's uh, that just happened and it's gonna ha- it might happen again let's move on and 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 eventually it'll go away or we could let negative talk creep up in their head which is certainly not in your wheelhouse here because your in your wheelhouse is all about here neutral to positive there's no negative but the negative you know? talk's gonna happen with people internally right that always happens that always happens and okay, we we got yeah. super type A people here in Hermosa <clears throat> Beach I mean I was saying to someone the other day like. <laughs> Man, this, this 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 city to live in this city, you have to be Type A. You just you just kind of have to, and there's obviously exceptions to that. Or just but, be oblivious. Yeah, I mean, but anywhere where anywhere that anywhere that's expensive to live, yeah, like Upper you, West Side, Manhattan. You know, you got to be Type A to make enough money to do so, yeah. uh, and you got to really want to. With, again, with exceptions, but like, so we have a super Type A. You know, demographic here and those people, it's it's hard to not come into a yoga practice with that kind of achievement mindset, right? Because that's how so many of us go through our lives is through you know goal, well go goal obstacle tactics expectation boom go right and so doing that for everything G O T E so it's it's hard to like you know be in a relationship and not put that into it. It's hard to do a yoga practice and not put that into it hard to do a lot of things that you know maybe like there shouldn't be such a clear goal other than the experience and the connection and feeding the experience it's weird because i wonder what type a personalities uh do they have a release something that they do on their own time that allows them to function as a type oh they got it or is being a type a their release that's like i'm not a type a personality i'm i'm an alpha i'm just what you call a straight up I'm a straight up alpha. I don't have to chest my th- thump my chest about it. Uh, I'm comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. It's like, okay, how many years did you play? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't care. You know, it's just you know. Um, so there's a difference between type A's and just just people, just regular Leos. <laughs> you know, who, oh, you're a Leo. Yeah. Who, who, um, who you know who, who who only roar if we have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So um, but that's the question. Is this is this personality? A permanent escapism, or do these these type A's have have to have something like, let's say a girl's a type A personality, she works in a financial world. Does she hire someone, you know, that she could whoop his ass with a leather strap like twice a week, right? So she could function. Or on the, so or on the flip side, if you got like a male who's a financial whatever, yes, does he hire someone does to come whoop his ass? Does he has a ball in his mouth. <laughs> exactly, because he doesn't know how to surrender in like your normal day to day activities. He has to take it to an extreme. Yeah. You know, I've met people in the financial world who, you know, they've told me like, yo, like I'm addicted to Adderall. 
Okay, because okay. like the the nature of the game is such that you need this biochemical boost to be competitive. Yep. And if you don't have it, like you're just not going to be competitive. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, they're they're very real about like what it's doing to their body. They recognize it and then, you know, they need to release. And so there's other drugs for that. There's other chemicals. Right. So it's like I'm, I'm biochemically boosting this faculty, this sharp, focused, logical faculty. But then how do you walk away mentally from like a million dollar two, five, ten, whatever, however many million dollar uh, arrangements that you've got going on here that like are variable? How do you disconnect that when you're the stakes are so effing high? Well, other chemicals. Right. So it's, it's a hard. Yeah. So. And that's like, one of the things with like, right, the I'll nature even, of our world is that like yeah. the stakes are so high. Like you want to play the game at this level. Shit, like you can, but it's it's going to take a toll on you. Same with any sport. It's going to take a toll. I'll give you an example. Um, volleyball, a lot of people, it's it's a hobby. And, and some people, it's a hobby. Some people, it's it's the, their way of life. Because yeah. volleyball is about community. Like in New York Central Park, we're like 100 players deep, but we all knew each other. Roommate mm-hmm. situations, marriages, business deals. We, it was very incestuous. And, and Hermosa Beach is, is a lot like that, but not not nearly as as family style as new york was because like here you you could there's probably make, just too many here. No, but here you can make a phone call like let's just play some let's play some doubles they play some doubles but they after they play doubles they, they bounce everyone goes their separate ways okay. in new york we play doubles in central park it's like we, we, let's go sing karaoke and all right cool let's go, <laughs> let's go to a fucking bar we that doesn't stop Look, let's mm. order chinese food they, they fucking deliver chinese food to us in the park where the where the sheet metal is two two sand courts so so i guess what i'm um long not long story short, but what I'm trying to say is when my escape, my um, escapism became my career, became my um, escapism from. Well, volleyball from a nine to five. My nine to five is a bull. I mean, I you're saying that volleyball guy, was your escapism yes. from your career. Yeah. And I, then dude, your then not, your escapism eventually I, became yeah. career. My man, Carter, I have not been. I am not nor will I ever be a nine to five person. I, yeah. I I did it to because you said because like you said survival basic first chakra yeah. uh, survival takes place. You got to facilitate I'm, your life. You got to get that locked down. I'm very fortunate to work for the guy I had. You know who allowed me. You, you want to go back to college? Sure, go back to college. You got an audition? Cool, go audition. You got an NCAA match? You're, uh, you're as an assistant coach or a head coach. You need to escape. You know, you you got to leave Friday to Sunday. Fine, take Friday off. You know, he was one of those guys that that was like. I'd rather have you regret do, doing something than regret not doing not doing it at all. Yeah, you know, and I like and I like that about him. But when my escapism, which was volleyball, mm. to escape from my my bullshit world, became my career, I needed something else to escape from that because my strength and my weaknesses. I personalized my work. Yeah, my, that's it, definitely it, it one of that's fun. one of mine too. When you bust your ass and you, and you you want so much for these kids or these pros and they lose, you 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 take that hot L with them. You, yeah. you just you, you don't yeah. you take the dub with them. Maybe maybe not. And you're happy. You're it's happy a beautiful, for them with the dub, but but it hurts like fuck to take that. It's L. a beautiful and painful way to live yes. life. So for me, karaoke. So karaoke before, before pandemic, Hennessy's Monday night. Um, sing a bunch of songs. Tower twelve on Thursdays. Is that still going on? Not during this, no. Not right now, damn. No, and, and I swear to God, in some Give it a Jesus, month. it will not hope. ever feel normal. It will not. I, I don't, don't care how many restrictions. Good for you. Nixon, I don't know. Good for I you. Really I really hope. Kiss my ass. I really hope. It will hope. not feel normal. It will not feel normal until karaoke's back. When karaoke's back. When everyone can like get up next to each other. 
put the mic right up into your face, spray some spit on it, and then pass it off to the next man, one. Man, sing alone by heart. Yeah. Where you're by yourself. Sing piano man with a bunch of uh-huh. drunken ass Irish dudes. To me, that's when it's normal. That's when it's gonna feel normal. So that's when people, me. when strangers are touching each other again. Hands, will it like Caroline t- reaching out, <laughs> touching <yeah>. you? <laughs> we just touched, guys. <sighs> <laughs> Sweet Caroline. man, but um, so, normal again. But bottom line, that for the last four or five years since I moved here in 2016 been has been my escapism that allows me to come back and do my job where disappointment hurts less. I can comp- compartmentalize success because sometimes when you comp- when you don't, you, you, you wallow in it too much and, yeah. and you're, you're missing things that can make you an even better version yeah. of yourself or make them better versions of themselves. So I was able to do my job. And in New York, theater was my escapism from that job but Mm. then there was a shift because my body was telling me my entire life you're not a nine to five guy and sooner or later you're going to fall in love with this shit and then you're not going to work at this job anymore because you're going to want to find a way to do this full time so the inciting incident was my boss retired he retired 90 90 years old i mean he's practicing cardiology and he retired and and they're the hospital who took over the operations decided, you know, do we let go of this guy? Do we keep this guy? And I'm just like, dude, you ain't got to do shit with me, dude. Let's Peace. Yes. <laughs> you ain't firing me, though. Lay me off and give me my money. Yeah. Give me Lay, give yes. me a nice severance package. Yes. Yeah. So they gave me a one-year project to cool. um, transfer all medical records from paper to electronic filing. Because after 2009. That sounds fun. After 2009, it became legal to do that just by itself. So okay. high-powered scanner. You could hire any old dummy to just put something in a scanner. But you, you probably could have hired someone at half of what they were paying you to do it for no, you. But you can't hire someone to separate what belongs in what file. Got it. You got this big ass file. Yeah. Okay, these are lab reports. That's yeah. a stress test, but that's a stress test that comes with the echo. Do I got scan it. that as one file? Or do I the do the scanning part's files? easy, but so the organizing. Six thousand, yeah. six thousand, seven thousand patients from eighty-six different countries, um, and they're like, "This is only going to take three months." Yes, I'm like, "No, it's going to take a year." Yeah. If you want to do it right, it's going to take yeah. a year. So they gave me this office by myself. Boom. I swear to God, Super Bowl Sunday. I said, like, I, need, I said, I need another monitor. They gave me yeah. another monitor. <laughs> and I I use this room to to freaking my, my audition partners. Or yeah. I was doing scene work. In between, I would do scenes and then I'd go back to work. So for a year until, they, until the wheels fell off. Till yeah. they, find, they gave me my walk-in papers. But by then, I already put away so much money. <laughs> And dude, by the way, I got a pension. I got a pension at that job. I got a pension waiting Damn. for me, so I'm good, man. So, and then launch you into yep. the next direction. Yes. Yeah. Never, never did a nine to five again. Uh, yeah. Uh, coaching is the best. The moment I've never had a nine to five. No, you kind yeah, of set your never own had hours, it. your own sessions. Um, well, to a certain extent, you know, to a certain extent, yes. To a certain extent, no. My schedule, I keep it pretty flexible. You know, my early yeah. mornings, like my practice is, like I said, the most important thing to me. Yes. So I make sure I that imagine. I always have time to do my my personal practice. But then. No, private client wants to see me and they hit me up last minute and I can do it. Sure. That, you know? It's so, so liberating. And listen, for the it. people listening at home, we not they're having nine to five, man. I'm not illing out on y'all. Look, if you But then on the if, flip side, structure, right? Structure and consistency, like that's something that you know. And that's a type often, of person too, right? Well it's, ni- it's nice to have comfortable knowing that they look it's nice I, to have I, I don't for gotta all deal with no drama except know that I gotta be at this place here. Boom. I get my assignments, and I know no matter what, when this when this bell rings, when this five o'clock things, I'm gone. That kind, that's look. There are people that are like, I'm cool. I I, I got to be at this one place. That's it. That's it. 
I've been told that I play loose, like uh, like poker wise, but in in life, like I play loose. And you know, the last year, definitely played very loose. I've you know traveled a lot in the last year, hiked around for a couple months, uh, moved back and forth, and now in my life, I'm like, okay, I want I want some structure, I want some consistency, partially just you know so I can and facilitate my practice more so i can really feel calm stable like my root chakra isn't freak the f out uh ground down so i can again focus and direct my energies where i want to no perfect yeah so california i mean in june we're supposed to go full-on free right supposed to we'll see um, they've already relaxed some of these things. We can ma- wear a mask outdoor. We can wear a mask some places indoor. Um, of course, indoors ex- um, retain the the right the exercising of the right to whatever. And, Which and is should. like I think as a private business, like mm-hmm. you should kind of have the right to refuse business yep. to anyone that you want. Mm-hmm. Personally, you know, I think it's like pr- it's private property. I mean, it's treated as private property. Right. Only like you're making money off of it. You can deny anyone access to your house. Like I think like. That's fair, but then you know on the Fuck other you. side, guess how you're gonna make the most money? Yeah. Letting as much pe- as many people in as possible. So you know the kind of discrimination argument of like not allowing businesses to discriminate against anyone. Like, well, just go ahead and discriminate because then someone else is gonna open up shop and isn't gonna discriminate, and people are gonna go there. Yes, one you man's know? trash is another man's whatever. Yep. Uh, like there's some places there the, the restaurants are already like overbooked and I'm like I just want a place in order to go and I'm like I'm sorry we're not doing that now and I'm like all right because I, I remember I was the person when y'all were broke and you needed people to order takeout I, I was ordering takeout I was there for you all I was the there, time bro. and you can't come on you don't tell me you don't know my voice <laughs> don't you tell me you don't know my voice yes. I'm, dude, I'm the guy that comes with a you know, with a Brooklyn like, accent. They know they, they don't, know, don't they say know you, you serve a thousand. Customers. No, they definitely know you. And, and I know yeah. most everyone starts to look alike, but there are certain people that they don't sound alike separate though. Themselves, yeah. You got that Brooklyn voice. No, and you do too. Like we're at Starbucks together. There are people that that some of your students walk by. They're walking by. They hear your like, voice. Oh, hey, like, that's Carter. <laughs> yes, that's Carter. So, yeah. Um. So before we get on to what we're going to want to go next, I want to advise our audience. Um. As far as being medical professionals are concerned. Trigger warning. <laughs> there are s- different levels. There are scientific things that are, are so high a level. You need a doctor in a room. You refer to someone like that because there's some things on a level you can understand. Then there's another level that is explained by science collected, yeah. right? Where we as human beings can read that, see how it applies to our personal and professional life and talk about it. And because it's now part of our wheelhouse because we have a full uh, understanding. And then there's another level where it's just the layman terms thing. So that's why and I think the I layman, the layman terms gets dangerous because yes. anytime things get turned into layman's terms, they, they lose their nuance and understanding, yeah. right? And yeah. then it's easy to get like told something but like, oh, well, that's not exactly the truth. Yes. Because but we're it's, using it's, the same term. Yes. But it's about how you want to talk about it. Yeah. If, if I'm a chef, all right, and you come to me and you say this doesn't taste like steak. I'm like, uh, you, it's not like you don't have the right to say that. You yeah. don't have to be a chef. You don't have to. If you had steak enough times in your life, you know what the fuck liver tastes. This, yeah. this ain't steak. I'm not going to be like, fuck you. You're not a chef. Yeah. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't talk about these things. Those are the levels I was talking about. Yeah. And, and um, for our audience, for what we're about to say next, I'm preparing them mentally because we're going to talk about RNA. Cool. Yeah, I want you Good. to give us an education on the things we have learned about RNA yeah. um, synthetics and how it applies to the vaccine. Because, cool. um, so what is RNA? All right, so let's start. I, I think I think the content the the conversation should be a little bit brought into what is a virus, right? 
What is a vaccine mm-hmm. normally? Like, what are every other vaccine that we've had? How does it work? Uh, so, what is a virus? What is a vaccine? How does a vaccine work? And then, what is this this mRNA vaccine? Because, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's like this new, they're experimenting with new mRNA vaccines. And people think it's essentially like the same thing with just like different letters added into the front. And it's it's not the same thing. And that's where, you know, some concern over like getting vaccinated is ex- extremely legitimate and warranted and one that I share. So let's start with what is a virus. A virus is not like bacteria. A virus is almost dead. It doesn't move itself, it doesn't reproduce, it doesn't consume. It doesn't exhibit any of the behavior that anything else that's alive does. So we look at a virus, we're like, this isn't really a living thing. But we, all, we often think of it like a bacteria, like, right? Like, yeah, how can we kill it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you, well, you don't. Exactly. Yeah, you don't, you can't really kill it because it's not really alive. <laughs> um, it's a packet of DNA. It's a packet of DNA encapsulated... Uh, and it either attaches to, to water uh, or it attaches to air. So like we say, it's, it's airborne, right? So right. COVID-19 yeah. is a coronavirus. It's a type of virus, uh, the 19th version of this type of virus, at least as far as you know we've measured or tracked. And it's an airborne virus, meaning that it attaches to uh, gaseous molecules, not just liquid mo- molecules. And that's important because, well, gas is much smaller than liquid. Right. So like it's easy to prevent liquids from moving through. And that's what, like a lot of these cloth masks. They prevent like water particles from spraying out. But air moves through these things. Yeah. So like it's, it's an airborne particle. It's like it's, it's very hard to contain. <laughs> very, very no. hard. You need like no. plastic essentially to completely contain it. And when right. I say plastic, I mean like a balloon that's sealed off like a bubble. Right. Like that's contained air. Yeah. Like if you're looking for absolution. Yeah. Like absolute containment. Right. So a virus being like a, a, a packet of DNA that doesn't move itself. It gets spread through water or through air or through physical contact. And then the way that it, it's reproduced, it doesn't reproduce itself. It is reproduced. So it gets into your body, usually either through like an open wound or nose or mouth. Those are the options, essentially. Um, and this DNA, like it gets into our cells and our body starts rebuilding it. So we have DNA moving through our body. And our body is producing proteins based off of those DNA, those genetic codes. Each each DNA piece or part of a DNA is a code for a certain protein and that we build it. And so we're, we're made of proteins. Our, our survival is the motion and activation of different proteins. So it gets into us. Uh, that's what like is called an infection. It gets into us and then we start producing it. And we And to make it really simple, we might just produce, it might have just been one viral particle and we reproduce it to 10 and then we notice it. Or we might produce it to like a million and then we notice it. And the kind of sick symptoms that people experience are usually how long does it go before we notice it? And then the sick symptoms are like a shutdown mechanism of stop reproducing this. So let's turn the body into a hostile environment. Let's start sneezing and coughing. Let's try to expel it out. Let's throw up, right? Let's turn up the heat, make it a fever environment because we don't know what this thing is. We don't recognize it. It's a new virus. We don't know what it is. We just, we've recognized that it's here, but we don't understand it yet. We're like, okay, we've got an intruder. We don't know anything about the intruder. Let's just make this environment really inhospitable to the intruder. Try to get rid of it while we, while we figure it out. So from there... What our body does, the immune system, it sends out cells that try to find the virus 
they break apart the encapsulation and they read the genetic code, the DNA. So we have cells that will find the virus, read the DNA, and bring that DNA back to yeah, and part of this I'm using like layman's terms so it can be like really understood. Yeah. Kind of like back to the central intelligence agency that's like, look, we've recognized the intruder. This is what they look like. They have this badge, this genetic code, right? So then we produce what we call our antibodies, antibodies yep. which are the intelligent immune system. So the stupid immune system is like just turn up the heat, right? Throw it all up, poop it out. The intelligent immune system is, okay, we know what we're looking for. Go find this thing and kill it or regulate it get rid of it right just this one thing yeah, or so just don't make its life a living hell where it doesn't we get rid of it yeah yeah like there's too much of it get rid of it so we that's what the antibodies are so oftentimes and you know with covid people experience covid as in like they experience the virus the virus gets into their body and then it gets we reproduce it we do the virus doesn't reproduce stuff we reproduce the virus then we notice it we we figure out what it is and then we launch an immune response to it. So from an, a normal vaccine, the ones that we've been using throughout, you know, the last hundred years of history, um, they take the virus like the influenza virus or the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, I believe, is this type of virus or this type of vaccine. So they take the virus and they usually use like UV light and it kind of stupefies it. So, again, it doesn't kill it. But it makes it like a little bit broken so that when it gets into our body, it doesn't reproduce itself so much. It's easier for us to recognize it and respond to it without it, you know, thriving, right? So you have less symptoms. That's, that's the idea. Because, you know, people who get the flu vaccine, they often still get the flu. Same with COVID. People who have gotten the COVID yeah. vaccine still get COVID. Yeah, it's strains, um, strains evolve, yeah. The idea being, though, you've experienced the virus or an inert version of the virus, and you've created a response team to the virus. So when the virus is present in your body, you will then build or create the antibodies to respond to it. And if you get rid of the virus, then you stop producing the antibodies. So you're building according to what's going on, right? What RNA is... So there's two types... There, There's... So we've got all this genetic code within us. We've got the genetic code that like is what makes me and what makes you. And we have some that are similar and we have some that are different. We also have the DNA within us, the genetic codes for every virus we've ever experienced. So we hold that within us. That's why like if you've gotten, you know, if you've gotten COVID or you've gotten like, you know, a COVID vaccine or same with the flu, you're less likely to get it again because right. you're like, okay, I've experienced something like this. I have a memory in the form of DNA, of a code, of this type of virus, if the virus, another virus, or a, a variant of it comes into my body, I, I can kind of recognize it more quickly because I've experienced something like it and I can launch an intelligent response to it. So with a normal vaccine, you get the virus, just an inert version, and you get that DNA download of like what it is, right? That way, anytime you get anything like it, you have a more intelligent response system to it. Uh, and you use RNA as a means of producing the, the antibodies or the proteins in the response, right? right? So you have these DNA codes within you. Your body is like, oh, we need DNA code X, right? So you, the RNA will go find DNA code X, 
open it up and make a copy of it. So the RNA is like a copy machine. It takes that the 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 code and then it goes off to a cell and builds a protein. Right? So the RNA takes the information and then builds accordingly. Now, with a normal vaccine, you've got you develop the DNA information within you that you can access at any time. So you've kind of become smarter through the process of getting the vaccine or you've become smarter through the process of just getting sick. If you just got the virus, if you, you know, got COVID, you learned it. And you'll, your next time experiencing it, you'll have a smarter response system. Right. But with this RNA vaccine, the new types of vaccine that we're working with, and these Synthetic, are the... Synthetic, right? Yeah, the Moderna and Pfizer, as opposed to giving you this inert version of the virus, they've kind of skipped that step. They went and made their own RNA code of the virus's DNA, right? So right. instead of letting us do that part, they did that part and now they've made a synthetic RNA molecule. The vaccine is this synthetic RNA molecule and it goes in and just like if it was our RNA molecule that we made, it triggers the creation of the antibodies or the spike protein, the protein response to the virus, right? What we don't know about this one because it's synthetic is does it go away? Right. So normally, if the virus is present, it stimulates the RNA to go copy the correct DNA to make the correct response. And then it eradicates the virus. And then when the virus isn't there, it triggers us to stop making this antibody response. With this synthetic RNA, we don't, it's possible that, you know, they inject it into us and it, it produces the antibody response or the protein response. But it's also, uh, so that, I'm sorry, that definitely happens. Like it gets injected to us and it produces that response within us. But it's possible that it doesn't get dissolved afterwards. And so it continues to produce this protein response regardless of us having COVID or not. So now there's no virus in your body, but you're still producing this protein anyways. And so we're not, it's not clear. In, in response to the RNA? Yeah, so if the RNA is, so the RNA will be in your body. So let's look at like the pre-vaccine world, right? You get you get a virus, you get the DNA, you figure out the DNA, you use the RNA to build a response to the virus, and then it gets rid of the virus, and then the DNA is no longer uh, communicating. Make a response. Make a response. Right. Keep responding. Right? An autoimmune disorder a lot of times what it will be is we're responding to things that aren't there or we're responding to what we think something is. We think it's harmful, but it's not like allergies are an example of this. Like why are some people allergic to peanuts? It's not because they, they peanuts are actually toxic to them for whatever reason, their body perceives it as a threat and launches an immune response right. against it. So now with this vex and the same thing is true with, okay, as opposed to getting the virus, and then building a response, you get a normal, uh, uh, what used to be a normal vaccine, and you build a response to it, you still have, it's your response, right? And then you're not going to be continually creating the response uh, when the virus is not present. But because this kind of skipped a step, we didn't learn the virus, which means that we didn't kind of get that DNA upgrade or download, whatever you want to call it, from the virus. It's not in our DNA library 
and we just put the RNA in to trigger the creation of the proteins. And that could just continue. Right. We just keep creating proteins, keep creating proteins, keep creating proteins because, well, we, had, we didn't have the stimulus for it in the first place. We don't necessarily have a stimulus for it to stop either. And if the RNA that is injected into us isn't broken down by the body over time, well, it then, a residual. then it's just going to stay. Right. It, like It could be that it never breaks down and it just keeps producing. Or? Or it could be that it slowly breaks down, in which case it would probably overproduce for a while and then eventually go away. But bottom line, you never made a memory of this virus. You never learned the virus. Right. It's just kind of shortcutted the system to respond to the virus, which means that the next time a coronavirus, we encounter it, we don't have a system in place. And now, this is the big concern for the medical professionals when... when as far as like going back to normal, the reason why a lot of these doctors are expressing their concern or um, has been hijacked by political narratives too, which we're going to get into in a minute, which I think I'll probably do more of the talking on that one. Yeah, I got but, a lot but, to but, say um, about that too. Yeah. You know that I wanted you to finish that because this, this is important for people to understand because it is a synthetic and it was something like people wanted faster results and in and, and a perfect world. I mean, to, to to not use an RNA, like, it takes about three years, three to five years well, to come I mean, up with, Johnson, come Johnson up with like, a made vaccine, one, But Johnson you know? Johnson made one. They did? Yeah. yeah. And, like, it got taken <clears throat> off the market because of blood clots, which seemed like like five or six people had blood clotting issues from it, Out which like millions. Five million, yeah. So it seems like ex an extremely tiny negligible, negligible amount, at least negligible in the statistical evaluation yep. obviously probably not to the individuals who got it yeah um yeah so like jo johnson and johnson made one astra did too but astra's not doing it in the united states astrazeneca okay yeah. and you know so i mean we could have mm -hmm. you know we could have made a vaccine that was like the or old model or and you know and this is going to be probably a trigger warning but like i took the chicken pox approach to this uh of you know Every parent knows, like, it's better to get chicken pox when you're young than when you're old. It can be dangerous when you're old. So let me introduce my kid to it when I'm young. And they don't right. do it via vaccine. They just do it like, oh, there's a kid that's got chicken pox. Let's put them in a bathtub together, rub them around. Right? So I figured the same thing with my body. I'm like, I'm going to get COVID. I'm going to experience it. It's it's airborne. It's everywhere. Right? So it's, it's going to happen. I trust my body. I take care of my body. Uh, my girlfriend got it. And she just came over and we quarantined by ourselves for two weeks. Quarantine yeah, turns, like, turns into quarantine. Rub, <laughs> quarantine, exactly. Like rub up against me, give it to me. Like I I trust my body to to experience it, to not freak out and to build an intelligent response. And I just kind of upped my breathing practices for that two-week period as a means of like shifting my gears up to be able to respond to it. Um, but then at the end of it, you know, like I, I've got the, I've got that response now. Well, understanding the science collected, um, and and I say science collected because as our as the facts change, our opinions change. I don't. Yeah. I think the word science, the term scientific fact, is almost an misleading oxymoron. and potentially misleading. It's an oxymoron. It's an opinion based based on data collected that people ex that that could be so overwhelming people widely accept it. And I think a lot of times it's like 
what science claims is this is how it seems given all the observations we've taken the experiments that we've done we can't say conclusively this is exactly what it is mm -hmm. but it seems like this and, we, and we've got like a pretty damn good degree yeah. of certainty regarding it i think mathematics and like you know physics anything that you can put into numbers you can actually prove mm. But the biological world doesn't work like this because nothing exists in a vacuum. Everything is connected. So you can't, you can't limit the impact of every confounding variable that's possible. It's not because you're dealing with living organisms. They're breathing, they're drinking water, they're eating, they're moving. Like you can't control for everything and you can't measure everything within it. So any claim that we make about biology is like it seems like this and we can say it with certain amounts of, you know, assuredness or lesser amounts. Yeah, I mean, look, for me. I think where I convey my personal disgust is that it's been hijacked oh, yeah. by um, a political narrative from a small group of people that created this mask or this facade where they seem like they represent the overwhelming majority of Amer or the United States. Just as they have the overwhelming media sides. control. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, what happens, here's what happens. All right, you got one side that's saying... The vaccine's completely 100% safe. You should take it. And if you're not, you're not my fucking friend, right? And that, and have, and that the science is 100% capable yes. of making far-reaching claims yes. about the safety of that's, it, right? Okay, Beyond so, six months, even though the experiments only lasted and, like up to six months. No, but all of that lumped into one category. That, that's all on one side. The, on the other side... I am not You're like a this is a this I'm is never a chip. The vaccine. This is this is a chip. This, this is, is this. a government so, chip. They're gonna track me, or they're like it's a kill shot. Yeah. Now here's here's where the majority stand because a lot of the the sides we just described, they have the money, Polar. they have the backing to make themselves look like that they're a bigger group, and, and they and also it, they make and money and off of no, but in dramatizing our, in our psyche and our in our psychological DNA. Nobody wants to be out there alone. They always want to. There is this innate need to feel part of a gang. All it's right? scary De not to be like Democrats have a community. Blood, That's funny. And we're bloodlicans. Yep. And I want to apologize to Crips and Blood. <laughs> I mean, I mean to insult you. <laughs> I want to go over the categories of the majority of people yeah. who are in, in the middle of this. Now, yeah. which side of the middle as the audience, as they continue to listen to you and me dialogue, I think, it's up to them. Here's one. All right, here's yeah. one. There are people who um, study the science, um, knows it, know, are aware that there's a risk, yeah. Like you just gave me this whole RNA, I think, and I'm aware of it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get it anyway. I'll assume yeah. the risk, and this is what I want. And it, and it's also, and it's weighing the risk of like having a, a serious problem from COVID. But with, that group of people that I just told you yeah. is is uh, um, collectively, numerically, yeah, a bigger portion than the people that are left to the right, and that's just one. Oh, absolutely. Here's another portion of people. There are people who want to get the shot, but they're like, you know what? Let me wait. There's a couple. Let me wait for a couple of million to get the shot. Let me see if these blood clots are just an isolated incident. And then, you know what? I'll make a decision down the line June or before Where Independence Day. I'll get the shot. That is a huge number of people, which I will say, just like before, is still numerically larger, mm -hmm. quantitatively larger than, than, the, than the ones completely one and the other. There are some people, and then there's another group of people where they were going to get the shot, but then they got scared by Johnson & Johnson, and they might still come back, but right now they're leaning more towards, no, nah, I don't think I want to get the shot. I'm too afraid. So and again, those like, three categories. And saying the shot, though, like, yeah, again, but hold, hold, these hold are on shots. Hold on. Hold on. Those these three are, categories. These are different shots. No, but those, those three categories. Yeah. 
That's the majority of the country. Yeah, definitely. That is the overwhelming. I don't know percentages. I I didn't take a poll, and even if I did, I'm I'm not trying to assume a bandwagon. And I, I would add I would add another group which Please. I find myself don't. in, which is like one taking that one step beyond of with regarding COVID, regarding this disease. Like I'm not going to get a vaccine. I'm not going to. Um, right. I trust my body, and part of my yoga philosophy is like live as naturally as possible and trust and support the body's natural processes as much as you can. If this was a disease that was killing 40% of people or even 10%, mm -hmm. I'd be like, cool, hit me. Like, give me the vaccine, right? With this situation, like, I don't think this shot is, you know, a government kill shot. I don't think they're putting microchips in us. I don't think that. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm like, I don't want it. I know I don't want it. You, you know, I'm not. You I'm not waiting to see more portion. about it. Like, but you are. You are made to be perceived as this small number of people who are rebellious by the majority of people, and it is a fucking lie. This idea has it gotten clumped with think, like it's a QAnon idea. But you're right. No, but They're like, what oh, you just what you me. just said, like this is all you got it off of QAnon. Like that's where your what your information you is coming from. How many people out there agree with you and and and, and are in that category? Some, a lot of fucking some, people. No some. more than you think. I think so too. More I think than, I think more, more than I think. I mean, even just during our conversation. Do they have a platform? We had like a, we had a little network? old lady like outside of Starbucks. Who came and was like, I'm not, yeah, she started no, talking about it. What major network would give someone like you a platform to speak on this? Not, you are the overwhelming majority of the people that go completely QAnon and the other people that are like, trust the government on everything. Yeah. My next podcast, I got Ishmael, Ishmael Wilson. He, he's going to talk about why the black communities hesitant about that. Um, that's oh, gonna man. My, that's going to be on my next Monday. The black next, community should be hesitant about anything that yeah. the like, white government tells them to do. And the more adamant that they are about it, like the Safe. the more suspect you should be about it, a hundred percent. And but and like sensibly but I, but I, so, given the history, given the track record. But I think if more people realize that and just come to the middle, there is a level of empathy and understanding where someone who's a little bit older than you is out of shape. You know what? They know the risk. Yeah. Um, Different know, situation. I'll, I'll, I, it might Different mess, situation. It might mess me up, but it might maybe better. It might make more things come to normal. Then there's people yeah. in your situation where you're. You 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 are you're already part of a quarantine. You well, already have you already have a bubble created, and, and if and for those that don't, you already distance yourself or whatever. You're you are someone that might not take the vaccine, but it does not make you irresponsible. And I I take exception to the people that say that you not taking the vaccine makes you more or makes you more or less irresponsible when you're you're being more responsible than the people. Who, I would who, say um, more responsible than the were, people who, who are like <laughs> and more responsible than the people who are. Uh, you know, claiming emphatically that like there's nothing to worry about here, right? They're they're equally as dangerous. It's it's totally dangerous. They're both think, they're both equally as dangerous. The people that 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 say you have to get the vaccine for every reason the government says so is just as dangerous as the person that says fuck you, I'm anti-vaccine. And you know, those, I think and it's, those are not those are not they are made to be the majority. Uh, um, I'm gonna call you Miles Carter. They're they're <laughs> they're they're made to 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 feel like the majority, and yeah. they're made to gaslight you. Well, and to, to when gaslight they gaslight you into thinking you're this you're part of this tiny group of people that don't want to fucking conform. It's so yeah. it's so dishonest. It's so disingenuous. I'm sorry. sorry. And then like the the politicization of this as well has just been absolutely incredible. Hijack. I mean to see. All right. A ter terrorist hijack. There there is an advertisement. An advertisement campaign uh -huh. to get people vaccinated. Yep. 
And when I say that, it's not just like trying to give people as much information as possible. They're making hashtags. They're making infographics, right? I saw this thing where like you have this like design of someone like this and it's like hashtag sleeves up as in like take your photo and hashtag it with like the fact that you got a vaccine. Like anyone who studied advertising knows like this is a psychological weapon isn't the right word, but like a psychological tool to get people to get on board with it. So you're not being just presented with information, like make the best decision that's right for you. No, you're getting honey dicked. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's that's the really scary part about it. I assume I know what you're meaning. <laughs> Hoodwinked. Hoodwinked. Ba- bamboozled. <laughs> bamboozled. I mean, twisted. Honey dicked. Yeah. We're going to use that. Yeah. No, we're gonna, no, we're keeping that. The Brendan Schaub, wherever you are out there. Brian Callen. Honey dicked. Thank you. <laughs> and then... So there, and then there's this field of moral psychology, which mm-hmm. is, is attempting to understand like the psychology, which goes into like the biology, uh, the neurology of morals. What are morals? What are the moral frameworks from which we see the world? And this this author Jonathan Haidt he writes about like Republican and Democratic parties and what their moral framework is. And what you have with the left with Democrats is it's this huge hyper focused on the care harm principle, right? So. Anything that's like someone's a victim, someone's been hurt, someone's being, uh, I don't know. Yeah, victimized. No, Any, no. Anyone that's being victimized, essentially, like it's our job and our responsibility to take care of those people. And that's like the whole moral grounding of the left. And you see it with COVID. It's people are dying. People are sick. Like we need to help them. And if you don't, like you're immoral. Like it's a moral thing to do. And if you don't, it's immoral. Right. And it doesn't talk about the means. How can we help them? What's the best way to help them? At what cost will we help? Like, will we help people? Because, I mean, if we were to think, all right, you know, let's again simplify it. We're on a desert island. There's a thousand people. There's only, you know, there's not enough food to go around for everyone. Right. There's not enough resources to go around for everyone. Uh, If one person is sick like are we going to stop the functioning of the whole society just to protect that one person from dying or is it just kind of a reality that you know it, it does happen to people and we actually might be causing more damage by by stopping the function not gathering food not gathering water because like, it might put this person in more danger um but, like everything's got a cost you know we know this from this last year the amount of money that was lost from the economic stopping and the amount of money that's gone into this, like huge, 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 huge amounts of money. Any, and we've got so many different threats and problems in our society. And it was like without a question, like no questions about it. Don't even talk about the monetary value. Don't even talk about like how many people are actually being saved or not. Just as much money as is necessary. Just pour it in. Just pour it in. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the freedom and freedom people. Yeah. It's my right, uh, uh, and these are my least favorite people too. They're just as bad as the the, the people that you described. Are Freedom without responsibility, because I, I think that's the issue. Because I'll say, well, I'll say it like I this. think libertarianism works. You're right. Doesn't always make it a good, a good idea. idea. Yeah, <laughs> like I consider myself a libertarian to a certain degree, and I think like freedom is freedom only works politically when people are highly responsible individuals. Otherwise, like otherwise, you just have a bunch of assholes. Well, that's why everyone's blaming the, the liberals on this. Um, basically, if you be, if you don't behave like adults, the government will treat you like. Oh, uh, daddy government. If yeah. you don't behave like adults, all right. Like if let's say Gavin Newsom, whatever the biggest 
fucking political hack of all time. And, I'm, and mind you, I lean more left than right. Um, and I'm saying that. Truth no, but let's say, let's say Gavin Newsom says, hey, let's just behave like responsible adults. If you're on, if you're on the strand, wear a mask, socially distant, this and that. But let's say there's a bunch of people that are like, nope, I'm going to walk my dogs and my babies and I'm going to take up a whole, whole family and this yeah. and that. Guess what they're going to do? They're like, all right, these people are not behaving like adults. I'm shutting down the strand. I'm shutting down the beach. That's, dude, that's what happened. And that's what I'm trying to tell you where the majority of the country is. Because like you said, there is a victimization thing going through for the liberals. But there are levels of that. And I think, listen, realizing that people that are, that are going to be victim to, victims to this is a real thing. It's just, yeah. it's just there are levels to it. How much is too much where you're playing this victimization? And then on the other side... It, it should be your right to do whatever the fuck you want. And, and in categories where people turn quarantine into quarantine, you know, the NBA, we're like, we learned a lot from the NBA creating a goddamn bubble. There wasn't 354 players, not one positive test, including that guy to try to sneak a fucking a stripper in or whatever. I don't even know who, what he did. But on that side, they're not wrong either. But when freedom and freedom, when someone says taking off my mask at at a, at a Vons is the bravest thing I've done all year, you're not get out of here. Brave. You're not brave. You're fucking. And well, it's, and I think it's so weird because there's a volleyball player, Carrie Waltz, uh, wrote about that on on our social God. network, and she got so much blowback from it. First of all, here's the thing. I thought it was unfair because she talked about what you what you said. Do things to help your immune system. Eat right. Exercise. Do these things. These health things, health these, is an inside no, job. Things, no, but these things help you combat any, almost any, everything. Any, anything. Everything. So I hated that she said I took off my mask, uh, whatever, and it was the most freeing, most liberating feeling that I had. And I knew where she was coming from because. Me, wearing this thing on your face I don't care how normal some people it is not a normal no. fucking feeling okay so when she said that who in their mind didn't say in their mind like I, at some point during this whole COVID I just want to fucking rip, rip this off. thing off and yeah. yell and spin to the air and yeah. have all the fucking spit land on my face so I understood where she was coming from but she was treated very unfairly by the media and by and she's the greatest volleyball player um american beach player in our in our um american beach player in our history she gotcha. transcends the sport people that don't know the sport know who she is so carrie walsh carrie walsh jennings yeah misty okay. man carrie they were the best the best team ever the best players jackie silva whole nother story but they took this whole thing this part of this this small part of this long and they blew it up into a uh, man the fuck out of it yeah i did too I have a I have a show called Sports Debate Tuesday, yeah. where we I try to stay away from volleyball unless big events happen. Okay. It's basically a volleyball's getaway to talk about MMA, Anything football, else. basketball, and debate about sports that we do on yeah. our leisure. But that was right in our face, and I and the beginning of the episode, I said this chick's off her rocker. <laughs> you know, and I know and there's and, always more to it when you're yes. talking to any human being. There's mm -hmm. always more to it. There's always a context, like someone. Can you imagine someone just like ripping off the mask, like, oh yes, right? And it, you could look at that and be like, this God, person I can't is breathing this fucking thing. Be like this person's being really dramatic, or they just came off of a twelve-hour shift where they've had that mask on the whole time. Like context matters. You're sitting there you know? having a beach practice with a mask on. I mean, this must be fucking crazy. Outside, you know, you if do, you're outside, it's totally well, unnecessary. She, she probably, Again, looking at like this is an airborne not. thing. Yeah. There's so much air, like so but little air. But the beach air. is the one place where you can do it safely. You got yeah. You ever you ever go to Hermosa Beach? Even in yeah. the morning, the wind from ocean to strand is just anything that happens. It's it. going to get taken up in everywhere. No, it's the like, second safe, safest sport besides tennis and golf. 
You know what I mean? You're playing doubles. You know what I'm saying? You're on the beach. The wind's going ocean to strand. You're not even... You can't even smell a fart. Someone farted, yeah. you can't even smell it. It's, uh, it's just gone. It's gone. No, but my first response was because when the news came out, that's all anyone was talking about. I was like, oh my God, what, Carrie, what the fuck have you done? She's getting crucified. And, and I called her husband. I'm not, you know, Casey Jones. What have you done? No, I said, talk to me now. Yeah. Or when I go on the show, I'm going to form my own conclusions. And, yeah. And, and you, the guy defends his his wife like, yeah. It's like Candyman. You say Candyman three times, he's knocking at your door. He's gonna fu- he's gonna fuck you up because that's how much that's how much K- Casey cares about his wife. And he respects and he, her and like trusts fighting, her I'm for trying, what, was, what she's doing. He's ready to. Th- I'm telling you, that time he's ready to throw down with everybody. But he called me and we talked about it. And I'm like, this is what I'm gonna say on my show. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give you my first take, and I'm not gonna lie. I thought she was off her rocker. And then when I I read it, my second take was, you know. I get it. Maybe not the, 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 the safest thing to say when you're popular, when you're the most popular player. Uh, um, she's 47 years old. But I would she's say not even in the AVP, and she's still the most poten- popular player. Potentially, she has the greatest responsibility to be not politically correct, though. Well, the disappointment came because of all the things that she can use her platform for. Like, be, I it. mean, we had people getting shot in the back. We had people with uh, police's knee on your neck. We had people that were, you know, in New York City that... But is anything as wide range... on top of each other Is dying. anything as wide range as the mask thing, though? No. That affect, that's a lot... Affects almost everyone. I'd say, like, humans are 100%. not... Humans are not the kind of hyper-rational creatures that no! we often give ourselves credit for. <laughs> we're not. Like, we like to think of ourselves as being that, but we're highly symbolic creatures. We're highly emotional creatures. Although a lot of us emotionally stupid because we haven't like figured out that faculty or that part of us. But so you say, you know, like wearing a mask, right? Like yeah. everyone hates wearing a mask. Like why? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you could say like the air still comes through and it's not that big of a deal. And like straight up, it's not that big of a deal. But at the same time, there's something symbolic that's happening that your subconscious mind can't ignore. And that's the fact that you're covering your airways with a piece of cloth at someone else's order. Like that is a subjective reality it's of so supposed, many it's people, not even supposed to feel and that organically and that normal. is a heart yeah. dampener, right? Right. That is like it's an energetic oppression, you know. And again, like that word, not say, a PC word. Like it's a it word like me. a lot of people would freak out to use the word oppressive. But shit, you're closing off the thing that connects you to life, the thing, the means by which you are constantly staying alive has now got something put up and over it mm-hmm. right well i used uh, uh, oppression complacency oppression as, com- like stockholm syndrome no oppression no stockholm syndrome is when you fucking defend the person yeah who holds you hostage which is basically what any broke person does to defend millionaires i mean when i watch someone who's broke talk about the millionaires need their fucking jets and all i'm like dude they are t- that is the worst case of stockholm syndrome ever no but oppression complacency is when it's it's been happening to you so long where you feel like you there's no way out it. yeah you're just like what's the point i'm 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 complacent this is what? this this is the world we live in today and i'm you worried know? about like that's how people are going to come out of this event in the next month like what if people like yeah. okay the cdc has just released new mask guidelines that like okay if you're fully vaccinated which fully vaccinated fully vaccinated in itself is like a catchphrase mm-hmm. that doesn't actually necessarily mean anything you got two shots 
You've got a better response system to getting COVID theoretically, but you could still get COVID. So you're like full vaccination. It's not full. But CDC, right? said, the CDC said this two months ago. And it's, it's only it's on the news now. Well, I mean, and, and, and like, Fauci was like arguing with people in Congress like weeks ago about like, it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated. You need two masks, three masks. And now the CDC is saying like, OK, if you're fully vaccinated, you can wear a mask. And is everyone just like going to start running around with their vaccination cards? Be like, look, I have a right to breathe freely now well fauci's collection of science and data um was in conflict with his critical thinking skills and 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 i'll tell you what fauci is the first one to tell you that the mask doesn't protect you from getting it it just protects you from giving it like it's it's there to provide more protection in case you have it so if he's stating that as his scientific fact yeah and then says cdc says that it's okay to not wear the mask, yeah. but you should wear it anyway in case someone else has it. He's contradicting himself because he's the, he's the same person that says it's more for you to prevent you from giving it than getting it. And But now he's saying you should pre- wear it to prevent you from getting it. He's contradicting. He's, his critical thinking skills is contradicting his, his collection, of, of, his collection I, of facts. I don't think the masks work, period. Well, I believe so. If, if this is an work, if this is an believes. airborne particle, right. it attaches to carbon molecules. Yep. Like we know this, so it's it's it attaches to one well, viruses are tiny, 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 so no. tiny that we can't even like talk about it in a way that the mind can understand it, right? Tiny, so tiny that they attach to like single carbon molecules. These carbon molecules they go through your mask. Of course that. And no, the vi- the vi- I, I wasn't talking about complete protection. I, I didn't. But I, so what I'm, I'm not say- making that a logical. But then the virus is going out and about through the mask. It doesn't care. Yeah. But my point is, let's say you're wrong about that. And it's possible. No, but let's say the presumption, the wide, the widespread exception of facts from both the Democrats and Republicans was that wearing it prevents you from giving it if you have it. Because I never accepted that it prevents you from getting it. Because it's like someone peeing. No, it's like me peeing on your jeans. You know what happens? The piss is still on your jeans and it stays there longer and you have a better chance of getting wet because it is now soaked into your jeans. So that's how I'm I'm, from a layman. That's how I treated like the mask. Like if you're wearing a mask, it makes it worse because it's it it holds the particles. So it holds the I've got got something uh, longer, longer than if you didn't have the mask. So I've got something else. What I think better than a mask. Breathing through your nose. So. It's an airborne particle, comes in through the breath, right? That's how we get it. Pretty much the only venue, yeah. Right? Comes in through the breath. Unless you have like an open wound and someone just like coughs into it and it gets just straight up in your bloodstream, it comes in through your breath. So when you breathe, a lot of people, they just breathe through the mouth. And the mouth was not designed for breathing normally. It's like an emergency system. So if you need need a lot of breath really quickly, you can get it through the mouth much, much more quickly. You're in a fight, get a broken nose, got to breathe through your mouth. Anything, right? (laughs) If you're fighting, if you're running... Like, I don't mean like running for exercise because I think you should nose breathe for that too. If you're like running for your life, mouth breathe, you need a lot more energy. The nose, it filters everything that comes in. So it's getting viruses, it's getting dirt, it's getting bacteria, all this stuff. It's trapping it through the hairs into the mucus. It's an air conditioned Um, filter. But it's also adding in nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is a chemical that you might know from like pre-workout and stuff. Uh, it does a few different things, like dilating your blood vessels, but 
It's antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial. So when you breathe through your nose, this chemical is being added into it that is essentially sterilizing or rendering inert any of these things that come in. So just like how they do with the vaccine, you know, they render the thing inert and then they put it in you. You've got a chemical in your nose that's doing that exact same thing all the time. Plus, it's the whole vaccine thing. It's weird that it's injected. Because you don't experience anything injected into you. That's not natural, mm-hmm. right? Any, I, again, prior to... Maybe, this, I don't know. Well, it's definitely... No, I mean... No, like, I mean, no, yeah, it's not... The idea of it... don't fucking the idea feel of, normal. The idea of putting anything just straight up into a vein, like, that's, that's not a normal thing. That never happens in nature. In no. nature, you experience things through your nose, through your mouth. No, so, but it's pretty widely accepted of how something makes you feel is, is already a given. So... We could, we could be talking about any, any kind of drug, p- right? Part of your immune system... And the part where you're reading your environment and trying to like figure it out is in your tonsils. So if you're pulling in viruses through your nose and it's going into the mucus and it's getting dropped down into you onto your tonsils, like that's where you're going to be reading the information and then creating a, an effective response team for it. Otherwise, like your immune system needs to go and find it and bring it back up to the tonsils. So it's like this weird way to do it, to put it, inject it, as opposed to, you know, swab it on the tonsils. Yeah. But my point is CDC said this months ago. I mean... Like the opposite, you mean? No. If you don't need, you don't need to wear the fucking mask. Okay. Once you got the whatever. But the 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 people in charge of legislation and are mandating when you could take off the mask and this and that were very very slow because there were sign there were scientific concerns that go beyond my level of maintenance. Of course, it's not my wheelhouse. Um, as much as you know, it's not really your wheelhouse either. But you are someone that that definitely educates yourself on 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 data collected, the science collected, and and. You using your critical thinking skills, which, by the way, I think is a whole other a whole other level of anyone I talked to on this podcast since my friend Kathy Parent. She was on um, part of Ebola's first team, the first team for Ebola um, okay. and eradicating that. She is a lab rat. <laughs> so basically, she's in charge of a company that helps people prepare medications and vaccines for the FDA. Okay, um, which is more administrative, but yeah, but she went to college. She's in the process. But she went to college. Her master's degree and her undergrad medical laboratory sciences. All she's really just a lab rat who's who's pushing pencils. But yeah. she she's she's all about that science. So really, I, I, she's the only person I talked to um, that gave it to me straight about this and and this the reason i mean this isn't the reason the whole reason why you're on my podcast i just think you're an interesting motherfucker and and this whole yoga thing and i thought me and you could shoot the shit on different styles of yoga physical and the psychological mm-hmm. that 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 may generate from a religious aspect or or just a or just a, a biomechanical aspect and i thought it was absolutely fun having you on this episode and for all all the way up to this because i knew we were going to cover this rna thing we had to was, yeah was i mean so that's what that's how the conversation got started between us dude you had people yeah. People yeah. stopping, <laughs> like we're at Starbucks. People had stopping to listen. I, th- I was like, if we go fifteen more minutes, like, let's just do this public. Minutes, they're just gonna sit on the fucking floor on the sidewalk and listen I mean, to this conversation. I mean, wouldn't that be fun if we just made like a community talking event? It's like, hey, why not? Let's no. get together. I got a good platform. It's time. Already, let's talk. Man. Yeah. Look, most of my guys are volleyball nuts. Uh, Facebook is the most activity. I get about fifteen thousand views an episode on Facebook. YouTube is more like fifteen because oh. I'm because I'm not giving them my money. Uh. You know, they're, they're um my Google account. If I pay for it, they could steer traffic my way. But I'm, I don't. Maybe when I when I get to episode one hundred, 
you know, if I don't have like a contract, yeah. like an exclusive contract with someone, freaking figure, then I'll then I'll I'll promote on YouTube. But cool. but a lot of the, the popular players, it's but but Facebook, I boosted it a couple of times, and now it's out of control. I got people from Australia, any any country that speaks English watching yeah. this watching this podcast that that and that plays volleyball. So, well, um, but I got some interesting stuff to think about. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Hell yeah, shit, we covered it all. I was going to talk about Dave Chappelle, man. I put a, <laughs> I put a quote up on Facebook where Dave Chappelle said it's hard to entertain people with brittle ears. And and we could, I mean, yeah. dude, if we had another hour, we could go that way. I actually got, I got one coming up after this an hour from now. Yeah. So, But I knew we would definitely get past hour or two. We're like, I'm going to have a clock on that. This like, thing, I can't this have like holds, just an hour conversation. Two, 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 two hours and 26 and we're 207 in. So Sweet. the file holds it, but... But we got to do this again. Cool. We got to yeah. do this again. Into it. I felt like we we, we we accomplished what we want to, but there's still so much conversation left. There, there's a lot to talk Man. about. And I think that's the thing. Like We just got to keep talking. People got to keep talking and not be afraid to talk. The more you talk, the more you listen to people, the more conversations we get. Like I, I, I believe in you know, the playing out of ideas, and they, they need a playground. They need a, a field in which they can, you know, explore be explored and like be morphed and changed and adapt and taken down and rebuilt and like we'll we'll get good ideas we'll get a good understanding of the world if we continue to talk about things that's probably why i had the dave Chappelle thing here i'm i'm like you have to be in this place or maybe a place under that place where men and women get to meet and talk yeah where men i mean where you're allowed to think out loud and if someone's wrong, it's like, look, actually, it's not. It's this. Instead of saying you shouldn't, you know, shut up and shut up and dribble, or or just without making you know, character just, attacks. Yeah, I mean, with gaslighting. Yeah, you know, that's, like, that's that's a big term now, and it's a real, but it's a real thing. If there, is, I mean, oh, I absolutely think mm-hmm. so too. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if there is a truth to be found, it's going to happen by us, you know, putting as much energy as possible into trying to discover it, as opposed to believing we already have no. it. Truth, truth. My man speaks truth. My dude, you speak truth. I'm a toast. Cheers. Um, Where can people reach you if they want to know more about Soho Yoga? Awesome. Uh, Soho Yoga is by the Hermosa Beach Pier in Hermosa Beach, California. I teach yoga there. My Instagram handle is fucking breathe without a U. So it's F-C-K-I-N-G. Breathe. F-C-K-I-N-G. F-C-K-I-N-G. Fucking breathe. breathe. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's what I would prescribe to Is all any, of humanity right it's now. Just, just nope. At fucking breathe. Yeah, just at fucking breathe. I got a good handle. I found yes! it. Like boom, <laughs> that's me. Um, yeah. Also teaching at Yoga Loft in Manhattan Beach. I teach yoga all over the place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, my man Miles Carter. He might love you, but I can't. Stand, <laughs> I can't stand you. In fact, I'm out of here. So for all of you at home. For all of you on your iPad, for all of you on your iPhone, at Starbucks, for all of you on your Droid, for all of you on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, old school. For my man, Carter Miles, I'm Jason DeBiss. This is episode 86 of the Option Podcast. Hit my music, we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.